0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing The NRL tour. And here we are back with the double dose of the fifth and last NRL podcast just in time for week one of the finals for the 2021 NRL season. Boxhead, it has arrived.
0: Yeah, finals time. How yeah, good?
1: It's been uh, a long year. It's been up and down. We had a bit of normality, then slight restrictions and normality again. Then we've gone full bubble... except uh, relocation basically of the whole competition this time to Queensland. uh, And when we look at it, the way things panned out, seven teams, I think, are repeating in the finals this season. South Panthers, Roosters, Storm, Eels, the Knights, all revisiting from memory. I think, uh, sorry, six teams. So two new teams, wouldn't it be? The Titans... And Manly, Manly coming from say third, I think it was last year. Then you got the Raiders, who obviously were in a prelim final last year. Um, they find themselves out, and the Gold Coast Titans, the other team, reintroducing themselves, and it's the Sharks from memory that have fell out from last year. Uh, I think, I think yeah, the Sharks might. Yeah, the Sharks,
0: the Sharks have made it. I think they were going to say it was five years in a row. So. Mm, this weekend.
1: As has been the case most years There's usually minimum two changes in the top eight And that's happened again um, And bit of drama in the last round Obviously we spoke about that situation Between the Titans uh, The Sharks and the Raiders The Raiders had first crack against the Roosters Come up short The Sharks had a chance against Melbourne Not quite good enough And then had to wait until the Titans played the Warriors on Sunday We're not sure what we're going to get from the Warriors And they probably saved their worst for last, and the Titans stepped up on the big day. Not only did they get the two points they needed to go equal, but they definitely got the four and against to push themselves into eighth spot. Yeah, yeah. No, they were. Um, the Titans were real good luck yesterday, which was um, yeah, exciting to watch them. Just put one on, which was which was nice. Like, it was never really in doubt. I think probably the first. 20 minutes was was competitive, and you know the Warriors had a try
0: disallowed, and they probably bombed another. Uh, the Titans probably had a couple of calls to go against them as well. There was a play held back that could have been Sinbin, that was missed. Uh, and they bombed a couple of tries themselves early doors, but once they sort of relaxed and got into that set for set footy, they were just far far too good. And the Warriors, they just had they didn't have anything to play for, so. It, it makes a huge difference. I think people, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for motivation in, in rugby league and Titans had a lot
1: of it and the Warriors had very little of it. Yeah, it wasn't a great day for them in that top four spot. The Roosters, they got the job done on Friday forcing Manly to have to get the win against the Cowboys and they didn't have it their own way for at least 60 minutes. in And the Cowboys, very competitive, but late on, come home very strong Manly to book the top four spot which locks in a rematch week one up against the storm. Looking forward to that one. South Panthers remains as is. South Sydney win with an extremely youthful side and the Parramatta team rolling 14 15 plays out. Also fairly competitive the first half, but Penrith knocked off some ring rushs in the second half to romp home in that one. Yeah. It was the top four one was a little bit more straightforward, wasn't it? We sort of got what we expected. Uh, I expected Roosters to win,
0: Manly to win, and, and power to lose. So that sort of played out as as expected. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a good last round of footy. It was plenty going on. I don't know you know the resting argument sort of reared its head on the weekend um, from some of the media outlets that were, were covering the games. But um, you know I think you earn the right to rest players. Like if you're in a position to rest players, then good on you. Uh, do I think the NRL may have taken a hit because of it? Maybe, maybe viewership took a hit a little bit. In the end, their TV contract is a TV contract. It's not going to change, you know, what they get paid in this deal, but it may, may become something that the broadcasters and potential sponsors um, voice concerns over in the next TV deal, potentially. But we, we see it all the time In the NFL If
1: teams can't move In the NFL it, They always rest their stars So uh, But it happens in basketball Any big sport In the world uh, Sport competition In the world it, it tends to happen Yeah I don't see the problem With it Like we said before If you've it's Just At uh, the right And you get yourself In that position I think you've got Every right to do so Yeah I agree yeah. Uh, And then also On top of that Coaches Clubs Players know what they need at the time. So you look at Melbourne. Melbourne clearly feel after a long year, they've had a lot of guys that were injured along the way through origin, etc. Penrith on the flip side of that, like we spoke about last week, opposite sort of thing. They had injuries, suspension and origin stuff that automatically gave people a rest. They got Pen guy fresh off a break. They got Fisher Harris who went home for the birth of his child, having, naturally having a couple of weeks off. So for them, looking to do the opposite thing at the back end of the season, um, play themselves yeah. back into some form and get some combinations. And then Parramatta, prime example, can't move anywhere. Got a couple of guys who have not missed a minute of football or a game all season, thought, well, if we're going to have any sort of crack at this, we may as well be as fresh as we can week one, try and get a win and a confidence booster and try and see if we can catch someone on the, on the drop in week two. Yeah, exactly. So there's different strategies and thoughts. And I think at the end of the day, It's nothing to do, like we said then, more so about TV viewership. Everyone's thinking what's best for them in this business, and that's winning. Everyone's trying to do what they think is the best case for them to get a result and have the best crack at winning a premiership. Premiership (laughs) slipped me out there. Uh, But the purpose, I guess, of doing two shows this week is to break things up. We used to do a massive season review, uh, all 16 clubs, always was well received and well listened to but we probably found in the last year or so um, why not sort of combine on the run so it's a little more relevant. So this is essentially a two-part show. We're going to review round 25 which shouldn't take a whole lot of time um, and give our final power rankings heading into the finals. I think again that's going to be pretty straightforward and then the back half of the show we're going to finish off by reviewing the bottom eight sides. Uh, We'll probably just go in order I guess from Last up until ninth or ninth down to last, um, go through those eight clubs and do a bit of a deep dive and have a look at uh, some of our predictions before things kicked off. And as usual, we look at our overs/unders, where we thought they would finish, uh, the best and worst, and what we think moving forward for all those clubs. So we'll return Wednesday this week and we'll go in depth on the strengths and weaknesses of the remaining eight teams in the NRL 2021 Premiership, and then we will look at the four matchups some betting and some tips. So uh, a bit of extra content and lots of football to talk about. Yeah, unreal. Should be a
0: good week. I, I, this is a great week. I love this week. Obviously, grand final week, but um, probably this weekend, the preliminary final weekend, those are two I get pretty psyched up about. Four games, four big finals, which is unreal. So that, that middle, I find that second week sometimes to be a little bit predictable. Sometimes it gives you a a, um, a good game, but um, in other, other occasions, it, you know, you can get a just a mismatch because you got a top four against the bottom four. But uh, no, I, I think this year we'll probably get a we'll probably get a good game, couple of good game of footy, couple of good games of footy in that weekend as well, depending on you know who wins and what happens. Um, but geez, those the two top four matchups look unreal. I think. The Titans-Roosters game is interesting because, you know, purely because of how many injuries the Roosters have got. And the Titans always play, play the Roosters close. So, I, you know, I I'll look forward to that game. You know, I know that if the Roosters play really hot footy, they, they deserve to be the price they are. But, you know, if the Titans turn up and the Roosters are slightly off, or, you know, if we can roll them through the middle, um, you know, we're going to give ourselves a chance. Um, and the Eels Knights
1: game's got plenty of interest. Obviously, you, you want to see whether the Eels can maintain that form that we last saw out of their best side when they rolled Melbourne and Newcastle. You know, Adam O'Brien said openly this year that you know they've got big regret out of the, the match that they lost last year against South Sydney. So uh, they get their chance to uh, at redemption. Yeah. With you, yeah, really love the first week. Preliminary finals, always a real nervy week um, for okay. me, especially in the past uh, decade or so. There's been plenty of appearances there, but I honestly find the prelim probably ner- more nerve-wracking than grand final day, which may sound stupid, but grand final day, you're either going to win or you're going to lose. You've at least got a yeah. chance, but preliminary week is always one. Uh, it's, a, it's a very, very sleepless week, a very nervous week, and especially when that game kicks off the first 10, 15 minutes to see how things go, but... Uh, Let's rip into it, shall we? No set of six this week because most of the things we would have brought up are going to be rolled into some of the topics in terms of reviewing some of these clubs. A lot of talk, obviously, for a lot of people around Griffin and St. George, the Tigers, which we've talked about at Noise and in-depth in different things, player resting, you've already mentioned, top eight, bottom eight. Um, yeah, I, I guess there's a lot that's probably already going to be covered, so no set of six, but let's review those games from the weekend. The first one, the Roosters put themselves into the fore, but obviously ended up missing out but in doing so eliminated the Canberra Raiders 40-16 to 16. and I guess again we talked about it they were lucky to be in a position to even be competing for 8th spot but probably just sums up their season it was too little too late and in all honesty they didn't deserve to be there no but yeah spot on spot on they um the reasons why they found themselves in that position were the reasons why they lost this game
0: before you. You know, they Defensively, they just showed no resilience. Anytime they sort of mounted a little bit of pressure, they, you know, released it. It was just, yeah, pretty ill-disciplined. The Roosters did it quite comfortably in the end, I thought.
1: Well, I was extremely impressed, and again, I have been over time. We talked about this... When clubs give up on players or they go to a good club or a good environment, they're more nurtured. We've talked about it before, but a bloke like Adam Kieran, gun junior player at Bulldogs, instantly let go of within one year. Um, Goes to Panthers, proves a very good commodity. New South Wales Cup, leading point scorer, wins a comp, moves on to the Warriors, gets a handful of games. I think he scored a hat-trick on debut over there playing first grade, shelved again, um, ends up. At a place with Robinson and the Roosters like guys like that in your squad with a bit of love are just invaluable plays centers kicks goals has been good and got better every game he's played and then you look at like someone like Drew Hutchison I've mentioned it before similar deal like you've talked about, about quitting on halves too early time he was at the Dragons they weren't in a great spot got a handful of games was flicked kicked to the curve went over to England came back ends up at the Roosters spends multiple seasons there now and is just growing again in confidence and until they get game time and put it into practice, you're seeing the reason why he was the leading half at the time in his age group. again it doesn't mean everything but you're not an Australian schoolboy or a 20s kangaroo or New South Wales 20s et etc for no reason and they're reaping the benefits right now because I think on the weekend that was his best game uh, in first grade and best game for the roosters. He, he's been getting better and better he's been very very consistent but in particular the second half. He was dominant. Every time he went at that left edge, um, he's physical. He got deep into the line, whether he passed. I think the more impressive part for me that comes off his running game is the offload because he is a big body. In the second phase, he generated off his running game there. They, they just shredded that edge, and poor Canberra. A couple of those kids showed some real promise in terms of what they're going to do in an attack, especially Tomoko, but uh, between him... Frawley and Valamay was obviously that side uh, he was on there that uh, there was a couple of the young fellas it just wasn't a good night no, no it wasn't they, that left edge had a horrendous oh, sorry the right edge for the Raiders the left edge for the Roosters just gave him a bath didn't they mm. Hutchinson's been I Hutchinson's been really
0: really good all year but just in particular the last month he's been outstanding like he he makes his tackles He runs the ball He kicks well He Passes short more Often than not Just Keeps things really really simple Which is You know exactly what the Roosters need at
1: the moment and I think the other thing A lot of people are questioning Why is he the benched Walker at this point in time I kind of think it's two prong I know he brings a lot in attack But obviously they've lost money They've lost the other players around it And they've simplified things To probably suit more of a Final style of game But he, he's clearly busted Like he's had pads on his AC joint He's got a bad shoulder He's been beaten up fairly heftily um, I think the other thing about Lamb coming in s- Similar deal Just plays things very simple He didn't see a lot of football And a lot of traffic there the other night But with Manu going out It looks like putting him Morris, Satilli on that right Was a bit more of a defensive ploy To tighten things up And I, I think they did a good job Um it's not to say you want to neglect that edge. I know Morris had some time out with the knee and he wasn't playing the greatest before he had that injury. But like someone like Satili, he's an outstanding player. He needs to be utilised. And I'm more interested to see this week if it is a little bit more protecting Walker physically and also tightening things up defensively with Lamb or whether they've been trying to save him for the finals because it wouldn't surprise me if they did put him back in starting this week.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting. And I think you're right. i it looks as though He's carried some sort of injury But Yeah Time will Time will tell in that regard Plus I, I, I tend to think that Robinson will name
1: Walker on the bench And then Swap him blade If he's going to do it But um, You know If you fit It's the obvious choice You start with Walker Yeah I'd agree with you there um, Like we said It was all there for the Raiders But it just pretty much Summed up their season Had a decent start completely fell off the perch, got torched in the second half. And again, it was some of those other guys taking their opportunity, Kieran Hutchinson, etc. Crichton was big on return. Toki Aho stepped up massively after Jared was ruled out. Um, that was probably his best game of the year. And Tedesco, um, just the more they've lost and the more they've needed somebody to stand up and lead from the front, he's certainly done that in spades. And he, he was all that and more again the other night but for, uh, for the Sharks. Sorry, not the Sharks the Raiders, you know, Rapana, I think he finished off the year really, really well. Tapana Papali had some moments again in that game, but overall, um, like you said, ill-disciplined, poor defensively and probably the thing that's been hard to figure out all years, like their attack has just been dreadful and in particular like I know Jack hasn't had the greatest of years but what's going on around him, you know, all the other facets as well as their go forward, their set start, like everything has just gone backwards dramatically and I'm sure that hasn't had a great uh, you know, effect on his confidence and his ability. Yeah, tough, just a tough year all around. Like, he, he needs a seven, he needs a, an
0: organising half back there. That unleashes him as a runner. They haven't had it, and you know, as a result, he hasn't had his best season.
1: No, nah. well, we'll talk about them a bit more when we do our review of those bottom eight teams moving on to game two. It was Cronulla who had the second opportunity to wrap up that final spot up against an understrength Melbourne Storm, but it uh, wasn't to be. The first half, as it usually is between these two teams, was quite tight and contested. You know, Early on, they had that poor effort like a lot of teams do, though, where they just neglect Brandon Smith and he barged his way in, but they had a couple of moments. They moved the football around. They certainly tried to challenge Melbourne while uh, also dodging a few bullets, but you know, Ramian, strong offload for a try for guitar and they found uh, some points on half time there to go on twelve all. But second half was just all Melbourne, and they sort of blew it out a bit earlier in that first twenty minutes and took it away from Cronulla. And uh, you know, Harry Grant, Brandon Smith, that duo—they were both outstanding. Nelson back in the game had some good moments. Uh, at one point there, I, I think it was a real positive for a lot of a lot of them when Harry obviously had the down week the week before, but. Nelson, big carry, knocks three blokes down. Harry gets on the back of it, engages a line, throws a dummy, sells an inside out, and Pappenhausen's the other one um, who needed to have a good game, comes up with a hat-trick, and you could see his confidence and energy just slowly come back and that enjoyment of the game as things wore on. I'm not going to draw as big a comparison as some people from the weekend have, saying he's back, it's a guarantee, it's a fait accompli, he is grand final, Pappy, because... No offence to Sharks fans out there, but it's not the most impressive team in the competition. But nevertheless, that hat trick, that kind of game, that sort of performance would be huge for him heading into Week One. Massive. A massive confidence boost. You know, in terms of what the level of competition was, it's, it's hard to know. But it was just a good sign to see him buzzing up around the ball. Uh, I thought he just looked more confident. The, the last few weeks he's looked really. Passive and tentative. Whereas on the weekend, you know, he put his foot down on a few occasions and
0: sort of ran into holes and was trying to run through tackles, not not running and sort of submitting or not, you know, running as he was previously to not to get tackled. But you could just see he was tentative there, which is you know to be expected with the seriousness of the injury that he's had. So it's just good to see you know our best players playing good footy at the right time of the year and hopefully. That sort of has been the turning point for him in terms of
1: his confidence. Yeah, I think huge thing week before the finals. Nico playing on the halves with Hughes. Hughes had a good game again. Um, that link up between those two right at the back end was probably my favourite moment. That really shows when you're starting to find that connection again. Because, you know, Nico in particular with Hughes had a really, really good Connection during that middle season run Their pass selection, the way they played things On their shifts, their shape, short, long um, Pappenhausen and Hughes though, Some good chemistry for a few Moments on the weekend there, but in particular The sort of inside presence Looking for him there puts that kick in for him to get the hat trick But um, I guess for Melbourne They've achieved what they wanted to achieve out of that game The minor premiership Wouldn't have been a priority They got minutes into some spying guys After a poor performance the week before they got some confidence back into Pappenhausen, into Grant, who didn't have a great game the week before. Um, minutes into Nelson, Tui, and then they got minutes into a lot of guys who you know may or may not be required. But it's good to get games into blokes like Pene Tui Kamika Mika, who's been missing a lot of football. Um, a couple of the backline guys got some minutes as well. Like, you know, next week or this week, there's potentially going to be the call of who's going to play on the wing. If Fox isn't healthy, we know Munster's got the knee infection. He's got to look at Nico. I think it's no doubt that he'll play there if Munster's not available with that knee. And then the bench makeup, um, from what he saw from Nelson in two minutes-wise, he's probably going to have the confidence to chuck both those guys on the bench and probably leaves him more a decision now that if he doesn't have Nico on the bench, if Munster is missing, to go for that third forward, who's it going to be? Does Penne get the nod? Is it Eisenhoof? Is it Maroa? Um, I, I think... They answered a lot of good questions on the weekend uh, but they also got some well-needed game time and a few guys heading into finals
0: yeah absolutely and that's the perks of being in that position and that's why I don't hold you know any grudge or animosity towards anyone who decides to to rest so you, you really you, you got a responsibility to look after yourself and your team and what you think is best for them moving forward so and then storm did that and yeah after like time you know the, the scary thing is for the rest of the yeah, the teams particularly in the
1: bottom of the eight that they still managed to, to win mm, that's it Like you're talking about a team we're talking trying to make the eight with everything to play for losing to a side that took out its, most of its best players it left spine and had a yeah. couple of guys in but they took eight or nine guys out yeah. and they've still won so um, for Cronulla a similar deal to Canberra uh, I think you sort of get what you deserve. You know, they had a good patch during the middle of the year there. Things definitely turned around. There's been the development of some good young players, your Trindles, your Kennedys, etc. under Josh Henner, who's done a great job under, you know, very uneven circumstances and a hard situation to come into. But at the end of the day, you look back at losses like the Broncos game and they lost early in the year to the Bulldogs, one of their only three wins. They're the kind of ones you chalk up and go, well, that's the reason you're not playing finals football and you don't deserve to be playing finals football. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, for them, again, we'll be a bit more in depth later on when we review the top, uh, sorry, the bottom eight teams. But moving on, Panthers Eagles, this doesn't need a lot of explanation. I think for Parramatta, similar deal. Brad Arthur had some questions he wanted to answer, some guys he wanted to get some game time into. They were super competitive in the first half. I thought they were outstanding. Um, all the simple things that you'd want to see line speed, their efforts play one two defensively, and then an attack and getting their set started. Kick pressuring um, they, you know, that, that period there where they got multiple Repeat sets and then got a try off it on, on Penrith um, Penrith still looked fairly rusty But you know absorbed and, and composed themselves And then second half just started to turn The screws and it, it became all too Much as you'd expect for the amount of quality They had on the field in, in compared to The Parramatta side and who they rested But again for Arthur just Good signs to see there like Makatala only his fourth game one of these guys that's played cup forever and you just kind of look after the handful of games he's played and thought similar to what you say about a lot of guys like how's he keep getting signed you look at someone like that and go how's someone not taking a chance yeah it's true it's cost you nothing but there's so many guys like that out there if you go watch a Ron Massey or a New South Wales cup and you see him year in year out and you're like how the fuck has this bloke never at least been minimum wage or training trial or something and He's gone from yeah. two bench appearances to playing massive minutes last week to getting huge minutes again and being good on the weekend. like Well well and truly NRL standard. But hes it's taken yeah. until 28, 29, and he's been doing the same thing the past four or five years at every club he's been to. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, Stone put some good hits on, but he's got to watch himself for that tackle tech. He got a bit of a head knock. Caffucci, I thought was doing well until he copped a, a knock as well. So he's got some questions for himself there for his bench because he's going to get back Campbell Gillard by the sounds of what he said. Um, and he got to give another debut to a lot of those young guns in their back line. We've seen Sean Russell earlier in uh, the year. Sam Lozu was another one who got limited minutes at the back end of the game. But um, you know a reward for a lot of those guys in the bubble, which I probably should have mentioned before. Um, Storm did similar for a young guy, Dan Atkinson, a half. Who's been in the bubble with them for two years and got to get, um, you know, ten minutes at the back end there. It's it's good to see that for some of these young guys as well. Hundred
0: percent, yeah, it's it's fantastic.
1: Like imagine that, two years you've played, you know, maybe two or three games. I think they said Atkinson only got to play two games of reserve grade this year. Last year you got to play none because everything got cancelled. He spent this yes. whole past two seasons just training in the bubble. Yeah, that's uh, it's better than not not training, not playing. But hundred percent, yeah, he certainly want to be out there, out there um, amongst it. The... Mm. But back to the Parramatta thing, Mentioned those debutants like, I said, it's it's a good reward for some of those guys to get that opportunity. Um, thought Will Smith led from the front, despite that knock he copped in the end, it was, it was a nasty one. And and again, that's another question: Does he play with that sort of utility off the bench uh, with Lusick there? I think it's a no-brainer. I think you're going to need somebody like that. But got some questions for the makeup. Um, In terms of his bench forwards But for Penrith I think they got what they needed as well Um, They got a hard game In particular the first half They were challenged, they were pushed They got some of the ring rust out That we saw again the week before It wasn't all slick Their forwards were challenged But uh, when things started to come back together You saw that link play Between the halves, Nathan and Luai And you saw that left edge starting to warm up Which is where they do their best work Kick out, Burton Toto, Luai, the link play from Yo, Who's just been outstanding all year Corosau got more dangerous as the game went on I think Pungai is proving um, In that environment With a lot of limelight off him A lot of stress off him And with good players around him Able to utilise him and put him in good positions How valuable he's going to be I think the only real downside to carry this for Penrith Is poor Sorensen Like he's just He's been outstanding for them all year And to dislocate your wrist The week before finals like, Moments like that are just cruel yeah, tough, tough, uh, tough position for him to be in. Um, yeah, this is obviously the time you, you want to be playing. Tell that, taken away. He's done a good job as well well it has been, it's you awful. know, in that position. Yeah, it has been really, really good. So, yeah, it's disappointing. It's certainly not the time that you want to be suffering a, a you know, mid to long term injury. No, nah. I guess for them, the luxury is they've built up over the year having guys on origin, having guys come in after play and Sorensen being one of those guys, establishing himself and taking a role sort of pushed out Spencer Lanu um, I guess the difference is Sorensen probably offers the ability to play middle and edge so the question now would be, do they go with Lenu and they've got him as an extra middle rotation there when you've got Pengai and Martin who can not only play middle but definitely play an edge they're definitely going to stick with May by the looks of it. they got him straight back into the mix. Um, or do they go with a Tago, which gives you three guys who similarly could play middle or an edge, but Tago more so exclusively is more an edge-type player. Um, they've got a decision to make there, but I feel it'll be one of those two who gets the nod if Sorensen's dislocated wrist is the end of his season. Mm.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the makeup of their bench. At least we've got some options there,
1: though. Mm. Nah, for Parramatta, like we said, similar to Melbourne... Um, not in the top four, but he got some games into some guys. He's given himself some good headaches in terms of the way he makes up his bench. And this week, uh, a lot of his players that have played a full season, like your Guthersons, Murata, who's played a lot of minutes, etc., they're going to come back. Campbell Gillard comes back, and they're fit and fire, and hopefully, um, come out red hot and try and knock Newcastle off the, you know, off their perch, just like they did Melbourne a couple of weeks ago, and take some confidence into week two. Broncos, Newcastle, speaking of that 35-22 um, I didn't have great expectations for Newcastle and I tipped Brisbane mainly on their forward pack missing like no Safidis, Barnett, Braley Frizzell, you take that out with the way Brisbane's been playing of recent, I thought that might be an issue but I guess the biggest thing even with the players in the side we've seen it the last few weeks and I've said it over and over again, is in attack just very predictable, very poor I think by the numbers, they might be the second-worst attacking team in the competition, and I know they've had long stretches that, Pierce, Ponga, et cetera, but even the last few weeks trying to work through things. I go back and repeat what I said. The camera game at Suncorp is the blueprint. There wasn't as much set play and structure. They just won the middle first with their excellent forward pack, played early off the back of that momentum with width, put the ball on Ponga's hands and just let him pick to play long, short, early border best, et cetera. The last few weeks, we've seen them forcing shifts, you know, double lead, double block, same old, same old, and we saw it in the Gold Coast game when they got the win. The only two good moments of attack were playing off the cuff or playing eyes-up football where Ponga drifted across the ruck and scored a try, isolating players, and then again, last play, skips across, draws defenders, puts Pierce through a hole. They really need to find something with their attack. I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in them moving into the finals In all honesty And um, I hope they prove me wrong And come out with a big bang this week But Their attack really worries me And If Parramatta can sort of Muster up the energy They've had the last two weeks In that Melbourne game And on the weekend I just think they'll overwhelm Newcastle Yeah I'm It was, right. it was, it was just strange How they handled the weekend They
0: You know Took cool. Pogba and Pearce off it Yeah the why would you year, find them? Uh, yeah I, I just found it all Yeah, all really weird to me. Yeah, I'm not
1: too sure what else to say. With no forward pack, though, like, what are you doing? We're going to play you guys. I I don't know. There
0: was just a lot of parts of it that
1: made me scratch my head. Yeah. As a coach, you know, you put your one and seven out there with no nine and no forward pack, and what what were you expecting? That's what I don't understand. Like, if anything, you just put them at risk. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't get it. For Brisbane, um, great finish, plenty of energy, some good signs. I think probably the most frustrating thing is once the pressure went off Milford and he was given an opportunity at the back end, that they've seen what they paid for five years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's a little too late though, isn't it? Oh,
0: 100%. So,
1: yeah, Milford.
0: I Milford. Yeah, like, like the, pressure, the pressure's off, so it's, yeah, it's not easy to... Deliver now, yeah, but with, you know it sort of is in a way as well when there's
1: no pressure on. So yeah, um, and he knows he's leaving that fish bowl. He's not going to be under all the scrutiny. He goes to an environment where there's a lot of big names. He's going for okay money, not great money, and he, he gets to you know just play football again and hopefully enjoy himself. And that's what we've seen the last two weeks. Um, he ran for 200 plus meters in the weekend. He was running the football. He was high energy. Some of his kicking was pretty good. Uh, but I just think for Brisbane, positive finish. Like we said, some slight changes across the year. We've seen a complete difference probably from the middle of the year onwards to the front half of the year where, like we said, too much talk in the off-season um, when Kev came in. and I know it was all positive and upbeat and this, that, and the other, but once things quietened down, they brought Donahue and Eichen in. All the off-field stuff and media sort of stress got taken out of it and recruitment, retention, um, and he just focused on football things got better. Guys like Hetherington and that come into the side, provide good energy, half sled from the front, um, and we saw on the weekend some of those green shoots, like Tessie News looks so much better since he's been given the opportunity to keep that jersey. Farnworth, I still think, is highly underrated and done a hell of a job the last couple of years, and he gave men an absolute bath on the weekend, and um, you know, getting some of those young guys into the back end, like Rapardi, oh, TC Rapardi, Cobo getting a few games, it's just all positives in that regard, I guess, and they've made some critical decisions, moved some players on, and they've got a couple coming in. Yeah,
0: they, they finished the season um, in an excellent position. The um, the Broncos, I've been, you know, I've said it for the last two or three weeks, I've
1: been super impressed with how they're going, and, um, you know, all, all, all things look good for next season. Mm. And I guess, like we said again, we'll no rush to extend on the Kevy side of things for me and for them, and I'm sure they do the same. I know the squad's not going to be outstanding next year, but they'll get a better idea of how he is as a coach with a good half like Reynolds. Capewell coming in, mixing in with the good players they've got and Haas, Carrigan will be back, Staggs will be back and some of these youth. Um, they'll get a real idea of where they want to go moving forward and if he's the right man to keep moving with this rebuild. So, um, And also Alex Glenn, what a career. He's my vintage uh, in terms of 20s. I think I was a year after him when I was down at Canberra. Played in that inaugural green final. For the Broncos, I think he debuted the year after, coming in as a centre, back rower, played for New Zealand, played almost 300 games. I think he's fallen a little bit short. He's been an absolute gun for a long period of time, and I think his career was summed up um, with the effort play he made at the death there to stop a try just before the buzzer. Yeah. Just been a really versatile and solid player for a long period of time, has yeah, and again, some of those guys at the back end—it's been a hard few years. It hasn't been the best run for him, but I think this year, particularly um, after a rough couple of seasons, he was just sold this year. He provided leadership, uh, did his job, and think it was probably the most positive way to finish—not not going a year too long, not trying to uh, you know p- push too far. But he's definitely seen through sort of this transition period with this younger crop, and we've now seen Haas and a couple of other guys begin to step up and B, bigger leaders, and they've got Reynolds coming in, so it's probably a great time for him to go, and what a servant he's been. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is he retiring or is he going
1: to England? I think he's just retiring.
0: Okay.
1: Haven't heard anything about England, but yeah, I think it's just uh, the end, so. Um, Hell of a career, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. uh, Moving on from that one, Cowboys, Manly, strange old game, this one. Uh, They certainly didn't let him have it their own way, and... To be honest, kind of felt uh, in the first half, Cowboys frustrated when they made it a contest, and you know we're getting down and dirty with them, going set for set. That Manly were getting fairly frustrated, and uh, the, again, similar to the week before the attack, some of those shift plays, some of the links, they really forced some things. They tried to get some things to happen. They overplayed their hand a little bit at times, and it wasn't until right at the back end, that last twenty or so minutes, they simplified. They straightened up a bit. They played off the back of quick play, the balls offloads and just played more direct. I felt the first 40, 50 minutes, they really were just, again, trying to force the ball sideways and make things happen. Uh, full credit to a young cowboy side who, again, could have turned up and just rolled over, but they wanted to put in an effort in their last home game. And uh, for Manly, I guess the best thing is under duress, under pressure, tight for that 60 or so minutes. But when they get it right, boy, do they get it right. Turbo, the last 20, just tore the arms off him and beat him to death yeah look it was a combination for me between Cowboys just clocking off and Manly uh, realising that the result was probably
0: going to go their way and relaxing and just getting into their style of footy if Manly get into their style of footy and they get comfortable then they're probably the most dangerous attacking side in the competition but i just got a feeling that there's times there where you know they you know if the game is not to their style they're not obviously as effective as what they are you know when they've got the running their way and I, I probably feel as though Manly and South are the two sides that you sort of rank below Penrith and Melbourne but they're sort of going to have conditions to suit I think to to knock one of those two big dogs off uh, and that's not to say that they can't do it but I just think that they've they've got less in their um, arsenal in, in regards to you know how they can beat you and as, as to what Melbourne and Penrith do like Melbourne and Penrith can win in multiple ways they've proven that over long periods of time uh, but you know South and Manly have certainly got mm the players and the style there if they can execute it for long periods of time and they get conditions to suit mm. um, and to you know invite footballers like particularly Cherry Evans and, and uh, Tommy Turbo into their game like fuck he's dangerous you know there was a there was a
1: trial where he just beat six or seven like it was some of the worst in you know, defence I, I reckon I <laughs> um, but like it was awful It like, there was, a, there was a, tackle attempt there from Scotty Drinkwater which was just like embarrassing. Yeah, he, he folded forwards like soft hand it wasn't a tackle. Oh, it was just yeah, it was, it was embarrassing it was mm. disgusting um, but Turbo was just
0: unbelievable and he just you know, I know people are making the comparisons between Hayden and Barber and the one comparison I haven't really heard many people talk about is that you know, when Hayne went on that run and when Bob went on that run, both of those teams played very well. It's true. So, um, you know, if, if we're going to compare him in that light, like we're now going to see whether he's got that big of an influence. while like those two players, obviously, really carried their teams in those particular seasons. It, it's going to be really, really interesting to see whether Turbo can get the um, get the seagulls into the big dance.
1: Well, I think it's plain and simple. If if it's not Turbo, it's not happening. Um, and if they came out tomorrow like a Luttrell for South and said that he was missing, I would scratch them. I'm so quick, it would not be funny. If he's not playing on that team, they are no hope. And again, like I said earlier in the year, there was a lot more things that led to the turnaround than just Turbo, but he's been the biggest part of it, bar none. And at the back end of the year... In all these wins and all these games, he's been absolutely huge. I guess our only question is again, and we waited for it when they played Melbourne um, because he was only early doors back when they played Penrith. But can they knock off one of these top two teams? Because all these big schools, all the things that got racked up, similar to South in their 10 game run, um, it's all well and good to win those games. But can you beat one of the big dogs? Because for South, they've got four losses this year and they're against the two big sides. For Manly, you know, they've beaten Parramatta. Um they've had a game against Melbourne the other week. They lost, they were they were in it. Um they had a low completion. Melbourne missed a couple of forwards, but again, probably a good confidence builder. Um but it's it's these games coming up now, and if they play one of those two, my, my biggest concern, and I said this before, if they lose week one, I, I just can't see it happening. I think everything for them is this week because if you have to play Melbourne, move to the other side of the draw, come back. Beat Penrith and get back to Melbourne potentially again and beat those two sides three times to win the Premiership. I just can't see it happening. If someone's going to beat one of these two teams, they have to win week one. So if that's South or Manly, I'd say Manly has a hell of a lot more of a chance than South Sydney, uh, in my opinion. But if if they don't, if it doesn't happen week one, I think it's going to be almost impossible to come back and win the grand final. Yeah, I, I don't know about that, but
0: I respect your opinion, all right? Yeah, I just, I'm not too sure. I think that depends a lot on coaching and players and injuries and, you know, what happens to the other sides as well. Well, actually, I'll...
1: Ca- yeah, you, think, you think, like, if Melwood and Penrith get the week off, you know, they're going to be sitting, sitting fairly pretty. So, yeah, I think, you know, your theory, in essence, is, is correct. Well, it's, it's essentially what we've seen most of the time. If you go the long way, I... Right. It's always harder to win. I don't remember. No, of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Who, who was the last one to get a long way? I don't know, mate. I From the top, top of my head, head. Yeah. I, I can't think. Manly, no? I don't Yeah, we shouldn't comment on it because we have not done the research and we don't know. The one thing but I we, will... We, can, we certainly look at it. The one thing I will say is if... You are, say, a Manly, who I think is a bigger chance than, say, a South Sydney after that Latrell loss, as long as Tommy's there and everything's all well and good. The matchups that are coming up from under you, um, it, mind you, if Parramatta play the way they did the other week against Melbourne, that'll be a hard game heading back into the other side of the draw. So that's what I mean, potentially, if you map it out. And again, it's all speaking in hypotheticals, but if they lost to Melbourne, Parramatta beats Newcastle and come in revved up and give them a tough game, then they have to go play Penrith to get back to Melbourne like... That theoretically is, That's a lot to ask um, On the flip side of that For South Sydney Latrell gone Taff What they can do there To get back You know um, Again I probably shouldn't be talking about this We should save this for later in the week But for Manly um, Nevertheless They locked in a top four spot Two bites of the cherry Super important People Like You know In the media Were talking about it It would be better to finish Outside the top four Which is the stupidest Fucking thing I've ever heard If you win In the top four You get a week off That's huge why would you not want that in two bites of the cherry than play a sudden death game? Yeah, let's
0: not give those
1: fuckers oxygen. So that, for me, for manly. and in, in any
0: competition.
1: 100%. I, not having two
0: bites, yes.
1: Simple. And we've seen it the other year. We went to that game where the Roosters were red-hot favourites against an understrength Melbourne team, and they got rolled in the 1v4 game. Melbourne yep. didn't capitalise, and Cowboys were red-hot that year and went on to win the competition. But if you would have told them that week, would you rather play a fifth-place game, Melbourne against 8 and try and win through or do you like a crack at the big dog to try and get a week off I'm telling you 9 times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10 they're going to come back to you and say we'd rather try and knock the Roosters off which they did yeah. like, any club who says they'd rather finish 5th you've got the wrong people with yeah exactly shouldn't should be in the final. so for me and Lee, they're coming in like you said with that confidence that ability from that last game not worried about again uh, anything other than trying to get the job done this week and get a week off which would be massive um, so for them, they got the job done. Uh, like we said, a little bit rusty, but I'm sure they'll be tails up. And the Storm Manly game always huge. So looking forward to that Friday night blockbuster. South Dragons, um, again, you, you can't take much out of it in terms of South because they rested their whole team. But really, really good to finally see Lachlan Ilias. I thought he had a good game uh, playing outside Benji. Some of the link play between those younger guys was good to see. Memazula at, at nine to Ilias. To Taff, some of the shift players were really, really nice. Benji did a really, really good job inside there, helping the kid out in his debut, and what a night for him. A couple of nice passes and played nice and square, got into the line, come up with a kick, which turned into his own debut try. You couldn't ask for much more.
0: No, it was outstanding. Really, really good performance.
1: But, mate, St. George of the Warra. <laughs> oh, yep. Like uh, case. And again... The, the positives of those few kids that we needed to see earlier but I think everything for me was summed up in all the points in the last 10 minutes and then Corey Norman's error um, in that last attacking set that probably sums up their season
2: Yeah,
1: so I don't think we should talk about this anymore until we get to their season review but for South you couldn't be happier if you Wayne Bennett similar deal you got minutes into guys that needed some football Maygo, Jed Cartwright, a lot of guys tried to make a statement that they're going to be useful if they're needed at some point, and you've got to look at your future. Um, Memazulos, good player, defends extremely well for his size. Ilias, I've heard nothing but positive things. I liked what I saw, and again, that, that this is the gamble that they've taken. We were talking about Reynolds, their salary cap situation. They've got some big contracts. It was a hard call to make, but they've made it in mind of having Cody Walker possibly keeping Benji and then having Ilias, Taff and a couple of these young guys in Milford coming. So uh, hopefully, again, it's hard to tell off a game like that just from the other night, but hopefully they've made the, the right decision long-term. Yeah.
0: Well, they certainly have made it with the mindset that it is going to be the right, right
1: decision. Mm. And again, for all those young guys that are in, you can't ask for much more than... They completed it at 91%. They was super effective most of the opportunity they got in good ball, they took care of, and Benji just steered the ship and kicked well. And a few of those older guys that did play, Braden Burns was great, Campbell Graham, um, he had some good moments as well. There was a bit of controversy with his second try that the bunker didn't pick up, that he pushed the guy into Sloan. Um, yeah. I didn't watch that one real closely. Yeah, um,
2: I, thought it, I thought it was a clear no try.
1: I missed that, but I watched the replay afterwards and could see why people were aggrieved. But again, for the Dragons, you'd just be frustrated. Um, you would have thought with that team that they rolled out there, you'd be a big chance to finish the season on a high, and it wasn't to be. So We'll, uh, we'll go into depth about that a little bit more later, but let's move on to your favourite moment of the weekend, the Titans, 44-0. You're back in finals, baby. Woo! We're back. We are 10 wins, 14 losses. Not the greatest record
0: ever, but there's a couple of games there we threw down the road. That we could have easily won, you know, the week before against Newcastle, very winnable. There was a game there where we led the Broncos, I think twenty-four nil, and got beat.
1: What did you lead South by earlier? Was that like twenty points?
0: Yeah, I think we led them by eighteen at half time, something like that. So, you know, we, we've had a lot of half time leads, we've got run down. So, we could have easily finished, and probably should have finished at probably twelve and twelve. Uh, but yeah, similar to Cronulla, like, Cronulla drop games to those teams that they should have beat. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's, that's why you end up fighting for a spot in the eight because you, you don't win games that you should have, you know, normally won. So, no, there's no, um, no complaints, but, you know, look, Criminola had their chance, Canberra had their chance, Titans are good enough to know there, so, I know there's a lot of people sort of boo-hooing uh, those three sides, but it is you what know, it like is. Final spot on the line and, and they were the one that Took advantage of it, and um, yeah, I was, I was rapt with their rapt with their performance. Um, I, overall, and I, you know, I, I think we're I, don't, I certainly don't think we're um, deserves to be the price that we're at this weekend against the Roosters. But um, you know, smarter people than me come up with those markets. Um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to
1: watching us go around in the finals going to be good yeah and again you uh, can only beat what's in front of you and the results were there for them and they certainly delivered uh, for the Warriors well I mean you look in here look at how many sides the Warriors have rolled in the last few weeks and they beat Cronulla. they beat the West Tigers Um, who else did they beat they beat someone someone else anyway it doesn't matter I think for them Uh, but you know all of these teams that you know, people are saying no, they should have been there or they
0: should have, could have, would have. In the end, they, they didn't. So. But throwing the finals with a 10 and 14 record says a lot about the competition. Yeah, we've spoken uh, about yeah, that. And then. you saw the week before the Titans, Newcastle. Like Newcastle are no better than the Gold Coast. Um, so, really, yeah, really you're, you're talking about six teams, and then you look at how depleted the Roosters are. You know, we're going to get a look this weekend at where they sit in comparison with the Titans. You know, the last time the Titans played the Roosters, it was a Sam Walker field goal that was the difference. So, you know, a lot of people tend to forget that. So, that, that's sort of why I'm angling it. I don't, I don't think we deserve to be that price. I know the Roosters get some troops back. And, um, it's, a, it's a finals game, but, um, yeah, we'll see how we go. I mean, we've got nothing to lose. The Roosters are probably the ones with the reputation, the ones that feels like they should they should win the game. The bookies say that, so mm. yeah, it'll be it'll be good. I, look, I thought the Warriors were good for the first half, but the second half was just deplorable. Their discipline, their attitude, just culturally, I thought it said a lot about where the Warriors are at. You know, like who they're recruiting. A lot of excuse makers. A lot of guys that you know have left other clubs feeling aggrieved and feeling as though they have been hard done by but you know in the end the character shines through in difficult situations and they, they just fucking lost the plot yesterday the warriors as a as a club and as a culture like it was not what you want to see at the back end of um, of the season and look i know full respect to the, the situation that they're in but The way that Lodge and Evans carried on in particular was horrendous. You know, how Dallin the teams of didn't get simbed in for basically trying to punch someone in the back of the head as he sprinted in was pretty ordinary. And I think Matt Lodge got, um, he flipped the bird, I think, going off, off the field as well, or at least, um, insinuated something with his hand or finger to the crowd on his way off the field. So...
1: Just, yeah, it was a sour sort of end of the game. Yeah, he's posted an apology today and a big spiel about that whole situation. And it is disappointing because I thought, again, for everything they've done the last two years and this year's been difficult again in the circumstances and lots of injuries and key personnel, constant change to the spine, the news of Roger um, playing without Roger, getting some wins. They've had so many close losses. And again, in this last six, they've won... I think four of the six, they're bottom end sides, mind you, but their win's a win and they had the close one against Brisbane. They had a 16-0 lead last week, bombed a couple of tries, lost to Canberra. They really could have finished, I thought, with spoilers uh, attitude in mind here and finished on a real high. And Nathan Brown summed it up in the press conference. He said, for everything that this club has done in the last two years, that is just so disappointing and yeah, he wasn't happy at all and, yeah, that's, that's sort of how, how I
0: felt After watching the game Like I was Obviously wrapped the Titans One
2: mm. But I
0: was, yeah Really
1: Disappointed in the Warriors Well, I thought he spoke Outstandingly well And he summed it up perfectly Because um, he obviously wasn't There for last be year be Plenty of sympathisers sympathised
0: On social media That'll get upset about Sort of what I've had to say But um, Yeah, if you look at the figureheads And leaders within the organisation And they're going to feel the same Because You know, you've got to you've got to demand a level of behaviour, like the behaviour you um, allow and accept it that's your culture. So, you know, if they were silent on that that then becomes who you are. So I think um I heard Calvin Joyce maybe on the radio today. Uh he, he made some public comments saying it was not good enough for Brown If you're saying that Brownie was strong in the press conference, that's good. That's that's what you need from your club leadership. A lot of NRL clubs could um, learn a lot from that
1: yeah most definitely but uh, they saved their worst for last it was a horrible ending 55% completion rate 3 sin bins, 55 misses, fourteen errors and yeah particularly uh, Lodge and Evans if they didn't have the situation they have injury wise and squad wise right now I have no doubt in my mind that Kane Evans would not be playing yeah
0: he's I could say some things about Kane
1: Evans, but I won't know. No, I think we've just summed up. I just don't think he's, a, he's, a, don't think he's up to first grade. Yeah, I think we've summed up everything just in that comment. Um, he's let him down a few times in the back end of the year in some critical games, and I'm sure if they didn't have to use him, they wouldn't. But um, given the circumstances, with the injuries and again, squad.
0: What are you, what are you recruiting? What, what, what are you recruiting?
1: Well, I did you certainly didn't see. I think
0: he, he's the same player now that he was when he left the Eagles.
1: Yeah, I just think you didn't see these sorts of bouts of ill discipline in particular this year. He's really gone off the boil in that in that regard. I don't know what's led to it. I don't, I don't know whether it's a frustration of things haven't quite worked out. Like in that team that he played in coming through at the Roosters, he was the golden child. He was the one. Napa was the sort of ugly duckling who partnered him, who ended up breaking through first. And I know things haven't gone swimming in the last few years for NAPA, but he hit that rep level, he got paid big, he's he's played lots of games, whereas Evans sort of never kicked on. He got moved on from the Roosters, he got moved on from Parramatta. He's had the opportunity now at the Warriors, it's it's coming up eight or nine years. He hasn't been able to solidify a spot, so I, I don't yeah, quite so I just think they're recruiting they're recruiting the wrong body shape. Like they're recruiting these big middles that don't have legs speed And don't really have a passing game. What Lodge Lodge's got a good offload. He doesn't have leg speed. Evans has got an OK post-contact offload. Doesn't have leg speed. Can't pass. You know, you look at someone like Fenua Blake, probably a little bit bigger than um, what you want as a front row prototypically at the moment with the way the game's going. you can certainly carry one of them. Well, you can carry he's got him. he that leg speed. He can pass free line He can offload. He's got, yeah. he's got, he's a got huge feet. He's got all those little things that you need. And he's got a big motor. He's he's the exception size-wise for what yeah. he offers in that regard. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's one area that they're definitely going to have to address. I think with Lodge and him starting, it's a good combination. What you bring off your bench, that's a different story. Like a foe, you certainly get good contact, good leg speed. But again, motor-wise, you can't play big minutes. At least... Seem to have started to use Katoa a bit more this year, not just as an edge or a back row. Like last year, he burst onto the scene on an edge, but uh, it looks like Aikens more been pushed there. Harris will be back next year. I think Harris is better when he's playing in that third-hand role than out on an edge, so they're definitely going to need the help um, in that regard. But I was just thinking that there's been so many positives despite all the adversity, but that's, as they've said, just such a bad way to finish, and we'll go into bit more about it when we do our review. Um, But moving on from that one, Gold Coast, probably haven't spoken enough about them. Some super positives out of that, as has been all year. Mo has been great, um, led from the front. Tino, been better again the last few weeks for feeder. Made his impact off the bench. Hopefully he turns up in a big way next week. But, um, you know, Rain took his opportunity. They've been on and off the last few weeks with their hooker selections. Um, And I thought Fogarty, since he's been back, he's just steered things well. Kelly Herbert etc. They've attacked well. Thompson safe and Jaden Campbell. I, I've said it a few times that something needs to give with the spline and they need to get on the market. I didn't know much about Jaden, but after watching Jaden play the way he has a few times now, like Brimson playing at one with the halves, you had made sense to me because it freed him up to attack because he wasn't getting much from his halves. But he's come through the grades and all the junior grades as a six. So in this team now, with Jaden Campbell doing what he's doing, and bringing what he's bringing from the back, I think it's natural the time for Brimson to move back to six. Playing with Fogarty, they've got Sexton there. They need to work that out in the off season, but I don't think Campbell can be denied. He brings an X factor in the way the game's heading that um, I think you're going to want in your team. Yeah, he's been unreal. So absolutely I... unreal. Like when he, pre- he played his first game, I think it was against Melbourne Storm early in the year during the origin, I was sort of like, you know, maybe it's a bit early because i watched the trials and thought that he, you know, he looked okay, but he's slight and he's only thin and he's only little, but mate, he's been unreal. He's been a real shot in the arm. He plays off the calf, he runs, he kicks, he passes. Yeah, he's just doing all the right things and, you know, there's got to be more upside in him and He's certainly no best certain players at the moment. so... Mm. And one thing I do know, because I watched Brimson all the way through the juniors when he played six. He can play six if seven. you can put good roll, go forward, which they should be able to with a forward pack they've got, his running game shines through as good as what it does at the back. I know it's more stationary to an edge, but if you roll, he was so dominant through the junior grades, just using his speed. He's not afraid to engage the line. He plays short first. It, it might take a slight adjustment period, but. Whatever works. And then on the flip side of that, you've got the situation where Sexton finished the year well, got some games. Fogarty's an older head, but he's not going to be a long-term option. Maybe they transition for 12 months with Fogarty there and uh, possibly after that it becomes Sexton's job. I, I don't know. But I think with Campbell there and, and Brimson right now, you just you need the best players on the field, in particular in your spine. So it might cost one of those guys in the seven a job, but you, you've got to have both of them on the field. I don't think Campbell can be denied if that's the sort of trajectory you're looking at. Yeah, And also, good move by the Gold Coast. They tied him up a couple of weeks ago. If you would have not done so before the Melbourne game, the performance on the weekend, I know it's only a short sample size to go off, but still, we know how the market works. If he wasn't signed up and he delivered those few performances, there'd be plenty of clubs sniffing around right now. Yeah, 100%. So probably good timing that they locked him in, but... Last game, before we jump into the reviews for those bottom eight teams, the Dogs, 38-0 over the Tigers. And I don't think anything more could be said before we do our review about the Tigers other than the one thing they did not need to finish the year was this for the club, for the board, the CEO, recruitment, the coach, just in every facet, and more importantly, the fans. Um, and they could not have delivered... The fiends? The fiends, they could not have delivered in any worse away a duck egg against the worst team in the competition on the final day disgusting simple as that they lacked effort any passion in the jersey any pride in their performance any um,
0: foresight in the pressure that they were going to bring on their coach they, they, they've either quit on the coach or they've got no respect for the club the jersey because that was deplorable and I, I would have been would have been really, really difficult to talk to the team after that as a head coach.
1: 100%. I, I don't know <laughs> um, what, what you would have yeah. said. I, I, I honestly, I, I don't even know if I would this have enough. went in if I was Mark McGuire. And he deserves better than that because he's,
0: he's a passionate guy. He works hard. Um, he's not agenda-driven. He just genuinely wants the best for the club, best for the players. And it's it's been hard to watch Tiger Town uh, and just seeing how much passion and love he has for the players, the club, and the direction he wants to take in. No one else is buying No. And again, uh, and the club can talk as much about this is where we're going. We've, you know, we've got this new centre of excellence, and you know, we're going to do this with our juniors. Like in the end, but you need you need culture in the behaviour of your first graders. And they don't have it. And people, I, I'm sick of hearing people compare the West Tigers to Penrith, how Penrith were, you know, the early 2010s, the difference was is that Gus moved on all those blokes that didn't want to be there or thought they were bigger than the club or weren't demonstrating the right attitude and behaviour to their juniors. That's how you get the cycle of players that's come through for Penrith. You, you get first-graders that know how to be first-graders, know how to model behaviour and know how to train properly and act correctly off the field and set that culture. And the West Tigers don't have it. Like, if you think that that, what they thought they dished up today, uh, yesterday, is acceptable in any way at the professional level of rugby league against a team who, you know, look, are probably one of the worst wooden spoon teams we've seen in regards to wins in a season since what? The Knights? Probably?
1: Like, yeah. And the Knights hit rock bottom. And that yeah, was again that was a, that was a situation that was you can know, talk about where you are and who
0: you are and where you're going. Hmm. You've
1: just got your asses kicked by the wooden spurs. Yeah. In a big way. <laughs> and I don't care that it was the last game of the season. And I don't care that you couldn't
0: have made finals. Has the pride in your performance for your fans, has the pride in your performance for, you know, the jersey that you represent, and the ex players and the club as a whole, the brand you represent, your coach. Your family, it was just,
1: uh, yeah, was an absolute head scratcher. Yeah, well, like I said, um, we know because we've seen him and he doesn't deserve that. But that place we've gone in depth a lot of times. And I, I think you talked about Tiger Town, I've now finished it after you brought it up the other week. I really enjoyed, really, just him. Like I know a lot of people said about the swearing, this, that, and the other. They didn't give you the full kit and caboodle, he's a lot. Football smarter than that And I love watching him in the box uh, He rides every single moment But yeah It feels like a one man operation It really does And The the part that got me at the end Was like Pasco Pasco saying Well you know The books are good And the off field's good And the centre of excellence I'm like All well, that doesn't fucking matter If you've got yeah. nothing In the fabric of your club And your jersey Because you look at someone Like a manly And again I criticised Barrett at the time He kicked up a stink About the facilities And chairs And all this petty shit Dez Hasler goes back there They're out of the old Crappy Demountables And look what's happened They've gone Straight back To being a finals team A tough gritty team Like a manly team Of old Because He is manly He identifies with manly He brought back those You know Standards That culture All those things That you just talked about In that jersey um, It's it's not always about What you've got in your gym And your equipment And your building And all the other bullshit And, and dollars in the bank It's all nice but at the end of the day, if you've got nothing in New jersey and, you know, it's it's it all means nothing. And the other thing that I also found funny from past, like, again, always trying to benchmark against Penrith, he's like, oh, by the end of this year or week or whatever the hell it was, all these juniors will have more juniors than Penrith. I'm like, okay, so you, you're taking that from the West's well, Group it's, six, three junior leagues together. Exactly, but out of that though, how many of those are producing players? Like, are you just counting the numbers? Do you have as many under sixes yeah. division? Like, are you producing the numbers that are going to be pushing through like Penrithar, or Are you just looking at your overall they're number? Actually, who's
0: coaching them? Because they got rid of the, the best developer in the junior league, Mitch Lewis. I guess pathway development coach. They
1: had. He was paid full time to funnel back you know the NRL I guess core cool beliefs and mm. fundamental skills and back he, into he, he those did that and more games. so you yeah, can well. talk as much about, about culture and pathways as you want but and and they haven't replaced him they haven't replaced him with
0: anyone with any coaching knowledge from my understanding and look I think you know Tim Sheens has got a. if he's coming to the club and he's going to do pathways like a, the best thing for the West Tigers would be for him to get his hands dirty in regards to pathways and fundamental coaching, and running some running some camps and high performance training groups because he's um you know got a fantastic reputation for for being able to do that. But you know, firstly the, the, the junior leagues aren't strong enough. They know they know what your strongest. Like any 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 junior league in Western Sydney or the, or the greater Sydney Basin that compares themselves to Penrith as a junior league they c- themselves because you know you might have your team that is better than a Penrith team but as a whole the Pen- Penrith junior league is by far the strongest junior league by a country more uh, you can say you've got more teams that's great but look at the
2: transition of players that you've got from maths and ball through first grade as a comparison to Penrith it's not even fucking close even look, look at that compared to uh,
0: Parramatta
1: and Canterbury at the moment. it's it's ridiculous well even this year though right so let's take this for example they were proudly spruiking the other week that they were first in jersey flag before things stopped look at that team and yeah. I, I want to know how many of them go if that's the case there should be multiple first graders yeah so if they're going to spruik that and say well you know because they've struggled there for a long time if this group is that good we need to see first graders. That That's your bread and butter. Cut. they were running first or second before things finished up. A handful of those guys played grade, but I don't think they're going to be long-term first graders. Again, like what are you producing? Yeah. So it's the proof... Sustainable. Yeah, and the proof will be in the pudding. But I just thought at the end there when he brought up all that and then even mentioned that, I'm like, well, if I was you, Justin Pascoe, that's the last thing I'd be saying. Because I know you might have a bit of uh, bad blood there, and especially after the clear situation as well. But if there's one thing I wouldn't be doing, you've already got enough pressure and things being heaped on your members. I don't think members of the Tigers or the West Tigers are going to be impressed by dollar bills. And so, if you're going to say that, you need to start fucking delivering. If you talk about your junior numbers being so good, I think smartest thing they've done in a long time, though, we've mentioned a million times all the divided competitions and how stupid it is, is to combine Wests and Group 6 together. So now from 13s onwards, They should have more teams in their own competition and a bigger pool to look at and be able to put stronger teams together, hopefully, to go up against each other, unlike the situation we had out there where you go watch and there's five teams and one or two are half decent and they beat the other teams by 50-plus every week and the grand final was also a 30, 40-point bloodbath. So you've got no competition, you've got no depth, you've got nothing to work with. They, yeah. wanted, they wanted miracles and they had no players. Mm. And then like we said, the rare player they yeah, did get. You always hear, oh, MacArthur is huge and there's so many players out there. Well, Okay. I, I why, don't, why do you not have a development officer that's employed out there to look at all the players? Exactly. And Actually, you don't. No, they, well, they didn't, they didn't until the point that I stopped working there. Mm. And if, you know, again, you talk about our Park. T- players that are out there watching groups... About people that are out there watching group six
0: never ever did I get to a start of a a, a selection process in mats and balls 16s and 18s and did I have someone say to me hey here are all the players that we should be looking at because I've been
1: out there studying them in the junior league well I'm not going to mention a name but our last year there was a kid that I mentioned remember and they asked me "Who, who are you talking about and I'm like you being serious and they are like yeah he was playing at a team with seven boys of ours that were in mats and ball and they had no clue who he was and I said he's better than all of them we ended up they didn't agree he made through the trials he got through everything he made our squad he started round one and the poor bugger did his ACL Um, I'm pretty sure they ended up keeping him after that but that speaks to the process that you're talking about he was right under their own fucking nose but clearly no one's watching no, he's now, he's now going to come over to Mountings Oh, so, there you go oh, Again, we won't mention his name for that reason But you're talking to the opposite side uh, We're at Penrith There's no stone unturned They find all of them They get them in early They put them through camps, academies They all get specialised like, I, I can speak from experience The process is amateur hour versus The
0: absolute best in the business mm-hmm. Penrith
1: are The system may run out there In, in regards to their pathways and development And even those squads and the the amount of talent, ID they have on the ground, the process in selection,
0: you know, it's it's chalk and cheese. And it's a people power thing. It's a people power thing. And it's, you know, you need people at the grassroots level that have an affiliation and a love for your club. And unfortunately, you know, whether it's a joint venture issue, there's not a lot of people at the grassroots level in Campbelltown in particular or, or Group 6
1: that love the West Tigers that want to you know work hard and be volunteers at the grassroots level for the West Tigers where you know out here you've got hundreds of people that would do that for the Panthers nah, people were looking for a way in so the that's door their issue I think their issue is
0: people don't feel something when you talk
1: about West Tigers no nah, they feel more you for know, they their don't, they don't feel that affinity or that that association where... that, they feel that for their local club out, out where we were they feel more yeah, for them. You know you, you know, you go and talk to a lot of those people and, you know, haven't had conversations with, you know, hundreds of parents. There'd be less than 10% that actually support the West Tigers. Oh, 100%. That's what I mean. They, they feel... Know, that, that was the same out here until, until Gus sort of identified that and said, righto, that the goal here's got to be to make sure that every every person in this area or as many people in this area support the Panthers. Mm. And you do that by winning? For all reasons, though forgetting future fans, future players, mums, dads, kids, brat, like it's it's a whole round investment.
0: Yeah And I think there was a good I think it was Mark Car wrote a two-part article over the weekend about you know a lot of the issues, but you know I think the part of the part of his article that he felt short in was this this type of area. And this is the so stuff no again. One really wants to delve into because not many people know. And not, not, not many people care, really. Like the, the headline is match, The headline is the, the results of the first-grade team. But, you know, if you can look past that and start to actually dig down into why that's been happening for so long, then, you know, we could give you a handful of reasons why, you know, that, that's happening at the grassroots and pathways level.
1: Yeah. Well, we've probably done half of what we're going to do on their team with you, but we'll leave that one behind. Uh, great finish to the year for the Bulldogs It's been a tough year Big patches there where they've lost four or five in a row Won a game, lost five or so again Lot one a game And then they lost the last ten or so Before they found a win So um, I guess a building block Between the Elliott situation um, At the start of the year And the back end of the year And a lot of stuff in between A lot of disappointing players Bringing Flanagan in, dropping Flanagan The Lachlan Lewis thing I guess the biggest positive is at the back end of the year they got Gus on board. They've signed some big names for next year. They've got a lot of players coming. They've turned over a hell of a lot of their roster. Um, they blooded guys like Beyond D'Odo, Patolo, Shoop. Um, they got some minutes into them. Developed Avarillo uh, and, and a couple of the younger guys. And then, you know, some veterans like Arva Sam comes back and thought he's been pretty serviceable. And Jackson always led from the front. So. Uh, I guess you just got to take any positives you can but that that, that to finish off for them uh, their fans in the club would be a huge relief Yeah. so 100%. into the off season and uh, we'll see where they go from there but that's the reviews of the games from the weekend the final power rankings for the year brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre if you want to tackle your rising power bills head on this season do it with the help of Solar Energy the team at Penrith Solar are passionate about helping Western Sydney bin rising bills for good Find out how you can make yourselves and your family the big winners this season with quality solar solutions. Visit www.pentasolar.com.au or call eighteen hundred twenty twenty nine thirty. Number one for me, Brock. Before the finals, is the Melbourne Storm still? I've got Panthers. Yep. And I've got the Storm too. similar deal. I'm. I'd be happy either way. I've got Panthers at two, but they're, they're still on tier one for me in terms of the other teams. Number three, I've got Manly. Um, I still think, again, definitely got what it takes in compared to South, so I think they've got a little bit of an extra gear now, especially with the trail missing, and it's a good yeah, forward pack. But, I, yeah, I still think it's going to be hard to go the long way. So, for me, all, all the eggs are in the basket this week. Yeah. Uh Souths, so I've still got it four. Yep, yeah, me too. Uh, I've got the Roosters at five. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, out of the matchups I think for them Or the Eels And I know the Eels Got a big result The week before that But it was only a week Or two before that The Roosters touched up Parramatta So um, I'll stick with the Tried and true But number six I've got Parramatta Yeah I've got
0: them In finals finishing order Now I've got the, yeah. uh, Newcastle
1: Titans Yep and again uh, If the Titans And Newcastle Played again after What I saw on the weekend That would be interesting But uh, yeah I, I don't have a lot of confidence In either of those two Progressing this week But I'm, I'm probably with you I think from what I've seen the last few weeks, I'd have more confidence in the Titans getting the Roosters on a on a day where they have you know some, some dramas or maybe a couple of injuries again and things go well and some passes stick and they just throw their kitchen sink as compared to Newcastle, what I've seen recently.
2: Yeah,
1: correct. But, uh, there's the final power rankings for the year. Let's jump in to the reviews of some of these teams in the bottom eight that have finished up for this season. We'll go from 16th through to 9th. We'll look at it, the over-unders. Our prediction, players used best and worst uh, thoughts about the year and moving forward. Uh, Looking at our predictions, we both got seven out of eight for our top eight box head. Uh, The one I got wrong and very wrong, as did a lot of people, I guess, uh, in the media was Canberra. Canberra, lots of injuries last year, had accelerated development, a huge year from Jack and George and all those sort of guys. I just thought lots of positives. Lots of guys returning this year. It's going to be a good year. And uh, I haven't had them to win the comp. And that's certainly not happening now. They've missed.
0: Yeah, so who did we get? So I'm having a look at my ladder now. Well, I had... And I had um, Rabbitohs, Panthers, Roosters, Storm as my top four. I had Raiders fifth. And then I had
1: Eels six, uh, six, Knights seven, Titans eight. So I got those. Spot on Panthers two. Yeah, yeah not, not a bad Little effort actually Yeah, we've yeah. only got one wrong well, and the eight I matters. had Yeah, and I got that Like I said, well wrong Because I I wanted to go somewhere different I looked into it And uh, they've crashed and burned on me So, cheers Sticky Much appreciated But uh, they were my minor premier And first uh, Premier, sorry Didn't get that I had Souths at two They finished three Panthers at three They finished two I had the Roosters at fourth They only finished one off And I Dare say If they didn't have all those injuries They would have been in the four more than likely. Um, I had the storm, and if people remember in the preview, the injuries early in the year, Harry, Grant, and just adjusting, I thought that in origin would have a huge effect. But as the year's gone on, the the depth has just been outstanding. They've well and truly outdone my prediction there. Um, and the bottom end of the eight, I had the same as you. Eels, Knights, Titans in order. So seven out of eight. Um, Manly's the one we missed on. But again, I, I, I stick by my reasons in the preseason. Tom. Yeah, was, well, they almost lost their opening five games. Well, they were on track to be. I, I didn't have issue. Um, I didn't have an issue with them with Turbo fit and healthy, but I think nah. their questions were around that. But even with him fit and healthy,
0: I, I still wouldn't have had them in, in the top four. So I, I've got that one completely wrong. The the Seagulls one, I, I didn't see that coming, um, and I've got
1: it wrong. Well, I'm
0: happy to admit that.
1: Hundred percent. Seven
0: right, and that that one I got.
1: Horrendously wrong. And in particular, it was on that, the development of a nine, which Croker's developed into a nice nine because we knew Farno was going to be missing again, and the health of Foreign. So you're talking about three key spine players, and we didn't we question their depth. But on top of that, um, they've unearthed some gems in Artu. Schuster we knew about. I didn't know if he'd get a run. Harper I didn't expect to see what happened. So full credit to Manly. Um, not only have they built depth and they've built a good squad, but... Foreign, as we said, his form has been better and better the longer he's gone into the year and put more games back to back. Croker's developed mm-hmm. into a nice nine. You, you barely have to mention Fino anymore. And Turbo, after the slight mishap after the run at the Corso, has been the best player in the competition.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Does. Uh, under- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You went 10 of 16, I went 9 of 16. So you got the upper hand there. And as far as... Predictions, Uh, obviously my Premier and minor are gone. You've still got a chance with South, but they didn't win the minor. Spoon, I had the Dragons. You had the Broncos. They both missed. Um, Broncos were a little bit closer. Slider, we had the Sharks. I guess that can count now because they missed the eight. In Biggest Improver, we had the Titans. They just slipped in, but again, finals is better than not. Dark Horse, you had the Eels from what I've got here. Um, Probably not going to be... You know, I don't know if they're a threat, but after that storm win, who knows, you, you might be onto something here. Uh, I had the Warriors. That obviously fell apart. Top point scorer, we both had Reynolds. I had Pappenhausen for value. He was leading until he got KO'd. Top try scorer, you had the Fox. I think he was second on the weekend, and he's obviously missed some time. I had Toto. He missed six weeks with the ankle, so that was never going to help. dally I was well wrong. I was big on Jack having another good year. He was terrible. You've got Cleary, which is still a possibility. And uh, yeah. the biggest thing that Canberra did is fuck our, our sure bet for the year, which we went hard on. We had... Yeah,
0: uh, I, I, well, I've got a bit of a story about my sure bet of the year because we we had the option about five or six weeks ago to, to cash out of that. I cashed out. Um, I cashed out and then I invested in the Storm to win the comp and then at half-time in the Eels game, I've cashed out of that and put all of that on Penrith to win the comp so I um, yeah went, went fairly hard and believe it or not if Penrith win the comp I'll actually get more than what I would've if our shore bet of the year I would've left it and it lost anyway so yeah I sort of cashed well, out twice and I'm on my third bet with that that clump of money so yeah interesting times
1: well for everybody yeah,
0: the, the art of cashing out
1: Well, for everyone that probably doesn't remember, because a while ago, the sure bet was those teams just being so dominant. We thought that South, Panthers, Roosters, Storm, and Raiders were all shoe ins. I thought the Eels probably would be as well, but I just didn't have as much confidence in their squad. Uh, Turns out I should have, because the Raiders in the end let us down. Yep. So, let us down, all right? We at least cashed out. Yours is still rolling. I got uh, a little bit more than what I invested. But I had a nice win on the weekend with some tri-scorers. So that one worked out quite nicely. But, um, yeah, there's a few things that are still alive. Like I said, you've got a few more so than me with M and obviously the premiership, so we'll see what happens there. But 7 out of 8, top 8, that's very good. Overs, unders, it's probably a little bit under than usual. You did better, 10 out of 16. But, um, yeah, let's get into these and start with 16th in the wooden spoon for the year, the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Three wins, 21 losses, 15th defensively, the worst attacking team in the competition. They used 32 players. Um, when your season goes six losses, win, five losses, win, 10 losses, win, obviously that's not a great season. It didn't start off well with the Elliott stuff in the off season. Um, complete change in the club, board, ownership, new staff, new philosophy, and a style. Spruiked about attack and big changes there. Flanagan comes in. Didn't take long before that fell apart. We saw Lewis, Wakeham, Avarillo, Biondi at the back end. No consistency at nine. Marshall King, the best option there, was injured for a long period of the year. Fatala Mariner was injured for a long period of the year. Um, They rolled through lots of different players. And and probably the other part that hurts is for the lack of quality that they have, the few quality guys they did have, like Luke Thompsons and uh, that not only were they injured, but they were also suspended. So, it was a terrible year. Uh, you don't want more drama at the back end. They got more than they bargained for again. Elliot, not a big drama. Uh, lots of talk around Flanagan. Lots of rumours, which is not good. The and Lewis thing. Why minor is not what they needed. But I guess the best thing for them is they've signed some big names. Hopefully, they can build after what's been a, a pretty poor year. Um, the only upside again is couple of those young guys but in terms of what they brought in themselves they'd be severely disappointed huge expectations on Barrett and the attacking guru and he's going to get Allen to fire at fullback which didn't happen he fell out of the team get Flanagan to fire he fell out of the team Kotrick to fire and play at the centers that didn't work out so uh, why there's some good signings to come next year I don't think there was a lot of positives out of the moves they made this year but Let's hope with Burton, Fox, Vaughan, Pungai, etc. coming on board and Dufty mixed in with some of those guys, more quality helps that quality. And obviously Gus being there with Trent can stabilise some things, bring in some more corporate dollar and stability.
0: Yeah, look, I think they're in a better position now than what they were at the start of the year. On the field, they struggled, but we knew that based on their roster. I think there were some elements of their
1: performances that were were better, and some that probably slipped. Well, defensively, probably they slipped massively. Yeah,
0: they are probably a little bit younger, a little bit less experienced. They had some of their key players out for long periods of time. Uh, but yeah, look, overall, they were, you know, I expected the Bulldogs and the Broncos to be fighting out for the spoon, and that was the case for the majority of the year. The back end of the year, the, the Broncos significantly... Um, improve their performance and the Bulldogs, um, you know, they, I think they improved, but that was demonstrated by how they played yesterday. But not enough to, to get themselves up anywhere near and out of contention for the spoon And Gus will do good things, they've recruited well for next year. Things look positive, you know. I think if they're in the same position this time next year, I like it probably even bottom four would be a disappointment for the Bulldogs next year. I think they probably want to be in that space from. You know, ninth to 12th, somewhere around there would be, be good um, and you know, looking at the fact that the Titans were able to make the finals with 10 wins shows that you, you don't really have to climb too far to sort of get up to that, that sort of level of, um, of performance and you know, with the guys who are coming over it's probably going to allow them to at least climb up, you know, within that vicinity, so yeah, big off season, look when you when you've got roster a lack of roster depth, you can't afford to have injuries and suspensions to your best players. And unfortunately, the dogs, you know, and I know firsthand through you know working with the New South Wales Cup that you know there were weeks there where not a lot was coming back because they just didn't have anyone to send back. So um, you throw that on top of the fact that you've, you've you've
1: got a lot of inexperienced guys and you know a lack of quality at the top end of your roster, it makes it really difficult. Well, I think big one that should change this year, they've moved on, like I said, a swag of players, a Tony, Britt, Deets, Harding, Halida, Hopawadi, Katoa, Lewis, uh, Manu, Romanos, Napa, Smith, Dallin obviously went middle of the year and Meany's going to Melbourne, but you know, if you look at the forward pack, that's probably the one thing next year that should be a lot better. You've potentially got Vaughan and Thompson with for Fatala Mariner back from injury and Jackson at lock. Marshall King is steady at nine. It's not the most outstanding there, but uh, with that go forward, that should help Burton. I don't know who partners with him. I, I don't think we know the full story with Flanagan. I don't think Flanagan's going to be there. I know Gus plays a good straight bat and always says the right thing, but um, I think that's the old look over here Why I work on something else elsewhere. Yep. Back line, like we said, we know Dufty, uh, Addo Carr, et cetera, to mix in with Cotrick. Allen, they definitely need to, to get more out of. Shot was very impressive. Naden. So they, they're going to have probably a good starting third aim. But the same problem again, I think, is depth um, beyond that and what they do. But we do know they had a good SG ball team this year. There's one kid particular, poor Alamadi, a centre. Um, they won't be finished movement-wise. They'll be putting a lot of work to get some guys in here and shuffle the deck chairs a little bit more and try and find some youth and some value. Um, but, yeah. yeah. There's a
0: kid... Um... Khaled Rajib, who played,
1: yeah, um, he's half. He played SG ball, flag, and then played a game uh, with me at Ron Massey, and you know blitzed them at Ron Massey level. And you know, I know that
0: his name's been thrown around. I think he's going to do a preseason with the first grade side. issue, you know, which is the step in the right direction. They've certainly got some juniors coming through.
1: Yeah, and their flag team was doing all right, so. Um, that mixed in with that SG ball group, something they'll be looking for because th- that's probably the big rebuild for them. It's one thing to go out and recruit and you don't have to pay huge dollars and top dollar, but um, I dare say, and I'll throw this out there as well, and this is one thing I did say when you get Gus in your club, if I'm Trent Barrett and things aren't looking good at the back end of the year, I'd be nervous. Um, Gus will bring a lot of positives, uh, but at the same time, if things aren't going that well or by say mid-season Or back end of the year It would not surprise me If they look elsewhere But it's going to be interesting Because they've worked together Before at Penrith He said a lot of good things About him uh, Before he left And went to other clubs Etc But now he's in the driver's seat there I'll be interested to see How things play out
0: Yeah It's always difficult When you're Trying to bring a club Up the ladder And uh, Yeah it's certainly A big pre-season For everyone at the club Mm.
1: But some of their best this year, no doubt. Jackson, you know what you're going to get every week from him. Thompson was great when he was on the field. That's just the thing. He's, he's got to change. Uh, they can't afford him being in and out every single week. Marshall King, when he was healthy, I thought very underrated. Um, there were some good improvements in his young guys as well. But most importantly, um, wasn't, like we said, the greatest of years, but big turnover, lots of freedom, lots of players coming in, and that turnover will continue. So we'll uh, – see what year two brings for Trent Barrett with a, a fairly heavily turned over roster and Gus Gould there and junior pathways and the work they do there but moving on uh, 15th the Cowboys they were the worst offensive team 12th in attack 7-11 and 11 was their record, they used 31 players, I think everyone used 30 plus this year which doesn't surprise me uh, with the bubble and the whole situation but for them awful start to the year we can go back over it, we don't need to really in depth, all the talk some of the comments probably weren't well taken by Peyton early on in the year. He's probably a little bit too forthright and a bit too open with the media, which I respect his honesty and his openness. But in regards to some of the topics about, you know, trying to set up yourself long term and players and calling out your big gun, uh, probably wasn't the greatest idea and I think after that recovered nicely. They lost four in a row, they won probably five six, got themselves into the bottom of the eight, and then things just went horrendously wrong around origin time. They were one of the more heavily affected teams along with the Roosters and Newcastle in terms of injuries. They had some big losses. They had some close losses. They, they had a lot of guys who were just disappointing, quite frankly. Um, I think the one real upside is he identified a lot of dead wood. He moved a lot of guys out, um, and he just blooded youth, I, I think, in that situation and where they were kind of stuck with Paul Green for so long with... Cooper and a lot of those guys that needed to go um, that he's probably sort of pushed out the last few this year with O'Neal um, and a couple of other guys that were sort of still there and the back end of the year probably the best thing you see is Dearden coming across and playing Lemelu, Ben Condon, Hammer moving to fullback when he got back healthy for the second time, Gilbert, Helium Lukey, Dejan Arcee, Jeremiah Nenai the last few weeks, Griffin Neem, Kay Bradley, Mossadriki got that game like When you're in a situation like they are right now, um, the best way forward is just put your best kids in. And I think that's the one real positive out of an awful year where, yeah, key players, Holmes missed extended periods. Tama Lowe broke both hands like three times and it wasn't a great year for him. McLean was still up and down. I thought he had a few better games at the back end of the year, but again, uh, in terms of the heights, you'd hope he would have reached after leaving Melbourne. He's never even got close the move for Holmes at centre you know given where they're at and what they're paying him he's definitely not going to be able to get rid of him but with Hammer there Hammer's the one Hammer offers so much more than Val on the wing you probably get good yardage but you can't have a million dollar winger I guess at centre you can give him early ball and give him a little bit more option in terms of what he does in attack and considering they probably don't have really good centres at the moment you know you could have felt Tor Lungi and you could have him in the centres Hammer at the back um Yeah, there's not a lot of movement next year in terms of what he's going to be able to do. He's got Hiku and Chad Townsend coming over like an experienced head to probably help out the two young guys. But, you know, do you want to stop what you've already built with Dearden and Drinkwater now? Um, I guess that's a question for them. You've got Robson at nine, but Morgan retired as well. There's a few more guys coming off next year. I think McLean's off. There's a few big deals. So... Again, I think the thing here is, will they be patient enough to see through this transition period? They've brought him up there. He's blooded a lot of kids. He's moved some guys on. Um, will he get more time if next year is another slim year? I think he will, uh, but I don't think he get the year after. No. Uh, it's been
0: abysmal. abysmal. I look, I know he likes to blast his players publicly. He likes to talk about himself and likes to... Yeah, air-dirty laundry I would say and look it's clear that him and Tom Waller are off you know that's that's not working he's not getting the best out of him uh, so that's going to be an issue because that's a significant part of their salary cut that's not contributing to wins at that price so that that's why you find yourself in the position that they're in they're obviously regenerating and you know I think he did a good job blooding players he gave a lot of players first grade opportunities I think You know, the addition of Dearden and moving Clifford on, I look, I think in the short term that's been proven to be a negative. I think Clifford's played better footy since leaving the Cowboys. Look, I think Dearden's been okay, but I certainly think that Clifford's probably played better footy at Newcastle than what he ever did at the Cowboys, and he's certainly playing at a level above Dearden at this point in time. uh, You know, they've recruited. um, is it Chad Townsend for next year? So,
1: yeah. Which, which is... Look, I
0: don't, lo- I don't love what I see. there. You know, they've got Holmes, he's on significant money, who's not delivering in a key position. They're paying him to be a full-back. He's certainly not proving himself to be an elite fullback. They're paying him elite money. That's two players on elite money that aren't giving you elite performance. And this is where you get yourself into trouble. Um, look, I think their four pack... The youth in their four-pack is good. Reese Robson um, is certainly, you know, a, a bright, has a bright future. But they've got to get their key positions outside of him right. Um, and, you know, at this stage, there's still a lot of question marks around that. And just around, I guess, Todd Payton's temperament, um, how he deals with the media, the message that he's giving publicly and privately, I think next year it's got to be just less talk, more just doing. Demonstrate through performance of your team.
1: Mm. And I think I wouldn't have had a problem with the Chad Townsend move except for the price tag. I can understand wanting to bring in a veteran because, you know, Deirdre's still very, very young, get someone in as an older head to probably transition again and play with drink water and bring a bit of stability for him because he's not really a lead 70s. Another one of these guys who likes to run and play... Um, you know, with a bit of freedom and pick and choose his moments. But if the reports were right, what they brought him up for, I just don't see anyone on the market would have had that sort of interest in Chad Townsend to be paying 700000 or 800000 Like, if that's the case for the next few years, that's insanity. Yeah. But at the time, I said I thought it's not a bad move until I heard the price tag. When I heard that, I thought, well, that's fucking a terrible move. Yeah. Um, and you just free yourself of Michael Morgan because of his injuries and I think you got a nice big chunk of change here to get some of these kids upgraded, and they moved on. Masters who wasn't working, and you know they offloaded Maguire. They got he did well to get rid of a couple of bad deals, considering they've still got like you said two huge deals in Tamalolo and Holmes, which are taking up significant salary cap. But to jump straight back into one like that, I hope it works out for him with all the young guys, because clearly in the forward pack they're building um, a hell of a lot of depth and some really good. Really good players there. So that's not really probably an area they need to recruit to. But in terms of a spine move long-term or just tightening up your OBs, yeah, I I don't know how that one's going to play out. Just years and money. I think he can facilitate and teach you guys and do all those sort of things. But if the price is true um, for three seasons, 800 grand, that's insane. Great. But, yeah, in terms of this year, third most penalised team. They were one of the worst with errors the most ineffective tackles, the second most misses. So clearly defense is going to be a big point of uh, inspection, in particular drink water. I'd be running a shit ton of traffic at him in the offseason because that edge leaked like a sieve. Poor Tommy did, and like he misses some tackles, but at least he throws himself in front. And That's more of a, a size thing than an effort thing. But um, defensively, yeah, they need to be much better. He needs to get more out of those two key players, like you said, in particular unlocking Tamalolo. Um, and yeah, I think just build on what you've done with those young guys try and get that forward pack coming figure out how your back line's going to be settled I'd sit with Hammer and Robson comfortably at 1-9 and Um, but yeah where else they go from there in terms of drink water, we'll probably start with Chad, what does that do for Dearden, Um, does that halt his progress when you've brought him over I don't know but yeah, I don't really see a bright year again next year, I think it's another development year I couldn't agree Moving on from them, the Broncos, 14th, 7-17 and 17 was their record, 14th in attack, 13th defensively. They used 32 players. Uh, like I said, it's probably just gone through this transition period. We had way too much talk in the off-season. Kevy got the gig. I thought, again, last year he did a pretty good job flat batting things. A lot of old boys and ex-players and all that sort of did most of the talking. But when he got the gig and they started talking about this was wrong and that and I'll fix this and we should play finals and all that. I thought, well, fucking hell, I wouldn't be going too far. And it started very similar to how things finished last year. Uh, you know, backtracking on some comments, inconsistencies and things. And I think the key thing here was things started to go better when Kev started to talk less. When Donaghy got in the club and can got in the club and a lot of those things got taken out of his hands and it just was focused on football. And once he was focused on football and we heard less, things looked a lot better. Yeah. Um, there were some green shoots you know I, I definitely think he could have been a little more stable with the halves and Ben an X half Ricky Stewart's done it in the past as well probably overthought things a little bit he rolled through a ridiculous amount of combinations but Haas led from the front now I think he's gone to another level um, the back end there settling on New at one I think that was a great move New ends up re-signing some of the moves that facilitated off field in the background but Icon and Donaghy allow that to be the case um, you know I thought some of the guys before he got injured Azarko poor start with the year much better finish before his injury Herbie great again you got Reynolds and Catewell on the way they're doing a bit of a reshape bringing in guys like Hetherington Rabardi Willison Cobo, etc they've done a good job blooding some youth and you know doing the right thing at the back end of the year there and um, yeah I think again from where it started to too much talk and letting Bird go and constant talk around Pungai and Lodge and he's staying he's not staying and the, and the fuck up with Walsh there was a lot of mistakes and way too much drama and uh, chirp in the first sort of half of the year but back into the year I couldn't say anything more positive I think they're heading in the right direction um, got the right people in charge now of probably those off field areas and recruitment retention and club direction and biggest thing like we said for Kev and this squad is what they do next year who partners Reynolds is probably the most interesting to me. Milford's leaving, like is Gamble really their long term option? Like he's a good squad option, but they the whole selling point for Stags was huge money to play there. They're not long after straight away they're saying no, oh, he's a centre. Um, you know, so is it is it going to be Gamble? Is Stags going to be out in the centres with Herbie? New holds the one turf and long term. Like I don't think that's sustainable. That's probably an area that needs to be addressed. Um, you know Catewell definitely a good addition but back row they've certainly got some youth and they've had some guys there so um, do they position with Reiki? uh you know does he get pushed out because Catewell comes in I, I don't know back line options the wing spots do they re-sign Oates I'm pretty sure he's off contract at the moment um, Coates is moving on so yeah there's still plenty to pan out but Big turnover, like we said, transitioning from Bird, Deirdre, and Punga, Lodge, Walsh, Croft, uh, and plenty of others that are being moved on, Milford, etc., to what they're bringing in, who they've developed internally, and I'm sure there'll be more movement. There's been a lot of talk about them and get some veteran forwards. They've been linked to guys like Napa and Aram. I think that's just all big mistakes. I'd rather stick with the youth. You've got Carrigan coming back. You saw some good signs. I would not be bringing a Napa or a Woods or any of those guys into my club. If I was going to bring any of those veterans, it'd be Ryan James because I think he probably does a bit more of what you want off-field for a lesser price tag. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree. I, agree. Um, I thought they were, they were fantastic. At the back end of the year, they got better as the went on. I think once Donaghy and I can arrive, you saw a different version of Kevin Wilders, which was... You know, positive for the club. He looked under pressure. He gave mixed messages. He looked rattled when he first came in the job. But look, I think he's grown nicely uh, in the job. But look, the pressure's going to go on next year when he's got some troops there and the expectations lift. And, you know, he's just going to get a good, solid pre season in, hopefully with no injuries. Settle on some combinations and stick with him for enough time to allow them to perform. and, and at least demonstrate to you what they're going to be able to deliver because he was a little bit, a little bit choppy early doors but you know you, you, can, you can get like that when you're not getting the results that you want a bit of pressure goes on and, uh, and I can understand that, I've done that before in my coaching career as well so um, yeah I think he's just going to have confidence in you know and conviction in what he sees in
1: training and be confident within his own judgement that that's going to you know, develop into a good NRL combination. So, you know, Reynolds obviously is going to be one, you know, whether it's Gamble or whether they've got, you know, someone else there to, to ponder in. And to I, I'd go with Kelly. What was that? I think Kelly. You you need a point of difference. I think Kelly at the back end there. Yeah, look,
0: I, I don't know. Look, that's what I'm saying. The preseason will be, you know, the proof in the pudding for that. But,
1: mm. yeah,
0: it'll be interesting
1: mean, um, again, Pai Okura, we only got to see one game, but they paid huge money. So um, between him, Riki, etc., I'm interested to see who partners Catewell in the back row. Flegler saw some more positive signs in the back end of the year before he got suspended. Haas, they need to sort that issue out. I know part of it's his own doing, whatever's going on with his manager, SBW, all this in- external noise. He needs to cut that shit out. He needs to focus on football, um, whatever the issue is, whether it's management Money etc you, you can't have it your own all your own way If you've signed a deal If you've got a manager you Let him do the deal It's going to cost you money Plain and simple So if you want to pay him out And fuck him off Do it Cut your losses Talk to the club I'm, I'm sure they've already said And it's been a lot said That they're willing to Come to the table To top him up a little bit um, Considering To keep him happy And no surprise But yeah In, t- in terms of that That's a two way thing You signed a deal At the start of the year That you were happy with You can't come back To the table now because of external pressures and suddenly you don't want your manager and all the stuff around that and cause a whole hullabaloo. That's for sure. Yeah, But I'll be very interested to see how they go next year. Um, looking forward to see if they make any more moves in the off-season. But obviously, like we said, the back end of the year are real positive in terms of the direction. Um, for Broncos fans out there, I'm sure they're hoping that things turn around and they keep progressing next season. But moving on, we talked about it before, uh, the Tigers... 8-16, and 9th in attack, 15th in defense. They used 31 players. Uh, you know, Recruitment again, like we spoke about. They couldn't land any big names. They got Jimmy the Jet, Tamau, Amone, Offa Hengawi. The two biggest positives and where they should be doing more of their recruitment is poaching younger, talented players and trying to turn them into good players along with junior development. That should be their focus. So Stefano Yutukamaru, gun up and coming forward from Parramatta by the back end of the year after his origin experience he's been outstanding Laurie was their best player before he got injured all the other signings just a waste like Leilu's couple of seasons have been terrible and a waste of money the Jet is I don't think it's more so just football I think he's got too much personal stuff going on and off the field I think he he, he needs to focus more um, you know I think it's just getting himself right off the field I'm, I don't even want to talk about the football side of thing there that was a mistake but like picking up off Ian Gowey It's like, oh, he's an origin forward. It's like, yeah, he's playing in an origin side that's short of depth and he's barely playing for the Broncos and he's been poor for a couple of years. It's the same old pattern where they pick up other people's scraps and it backfires, but, um, you know, I think the back end of the year, he finally did what he needed to do. He pushed out a couple of guys. You saw more of Sean Bloor, Stefano. I Think Dewey coming on leaps and bounds. Like the Marmola move, you know, I don't think that's a bad one, if they got him for okay money. Um, but that's your way forward. Tuolagi, Simkum, Safar, like you need to get those guys in because if you can't recruit, you can't stick with old Dead Wood. Focus on your juniors, focus on those guys who are keen and willing to put in the effort for you. Push through your pathways. We spoke about it before, like that flag team, in terms of who's coming through. I don't know. I haven't seen a whole lot of them. Um, The captain's the hooker, Rua. They've got Logan Dillon at fullback. I've heard some things about him. Brandon Webster-Manfield apparently played well in the back row. Mavoni Tuifua we've seen a bit of. I think he's now signed with the Bulldogs, so they've lost him anyway. Um, But probably the the names I'm looking at coming through more, the two that we know of, Justin Matamua, who was a former six turned into like a back row lock. He's a gun one of the best kids you'll ever meet I think if they stuff that up they're kidding themselves and the other one who's the real shining lights Brandon Tourmouth from the Balmain side who played a couple of games of fled before the lockdown
0: yeah they're both they're both going to be first graders if they're you know handled correctly and developed and nurtured and you know blooded at the right time uh, both really good kids um, Justin's a uh, Westfield's sports high, product, and Brandon's from Holocaust ride. Uh, look, yeah, not On the Balmain side, yeah, particularly in a street or level, this year they were, um, they were quite strong, and I don't think they made the eight, but they had some key injuries to some guys, and yeah, you see now, we're starting to see what you needed. Um, years ago, in, in, you're seeing a little bit of transition from your HD ball up in your fleet. You know, I know early doors. You know, in my tenure there, that certainly wasn't happening. Um, so that's, uh, that's that's a real positive. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to really, I guess, make of of them outside of what I said earlier. They need to make sure that they're pushing these guys through. Um, they've got Sakura as well there, who's playing at SG Ball level that, you know, goes quite well. they got young Trent Borthwick, who moved from Penrith to Balmain, who's, you know, certainly capable of uh, playing at the next level. I think it's Braden Dying, who's a who's another one at Westfields that's, you know, again, quite capable of, of Playing, you know, Jersey flag, New South Wales Cup level. Whether, you know, they can develop on and be first graders, I'm not. You know, I'm not 100 percent sure. But, you know, you have just got to give them the opportunity, you know, you develop them. And, but you know, I think early doors they got some good results, were I they? Mean, they um, they beat, uh, they beat Newcastle, they beat South as well. So they they didn't have an easy draw.
1: Um, the Tigers, so, you know. You talk about S.G. Ball, not the first grade at the moment. I'm talking about, I'm talking about S.G. Ball. Yeah, uh, I'm just... you're yeah, out there, they'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? you talk talking about Balmain. I think it's <laughs> um,
0: Henry O'Kane. He also did a... Um, he also did a pre-season with the NRL similar to what Brandon Turmuth did. Um, and he got... He got injured... early in the year. So, yeah, they're their SG ball side this year at Balmain was was quite strong and as you said there are a couple of boys at West there that were that were good so look there's there's enough there but you know can they develop those guys through because then what's going to happen is all the all the younger players at your maths and ball level that see you know those guys that were ahead of them maybe maybe they were playing ball when you know you're in mats or you know, you're in development with Aaron Harold Matthews and you see them go through and play first grade, that's how you keep players at your club. Because mm. at the moment, what all those massive ball players see is the good players go elsewhere. And the okay players go and play flag And, you know, the fleet flag, the fleet's gone okay for the last few years, you know, and they you know, obviously they were sitting up there this year, but who knows what would have happened at the back end there. But I think mean, they made the eight year before, they finished ninth year before that. So it's been a steady increase. But, you know, how many of those guys are going in and playing first grade? I think, you know, Zach City is one, Tommy Talao, there's been, you know, there's been a couple that have gone through, but they're also not their juniors either. So, yeah, they, they need to start seeing a transition of their own through. Uh, you know, we keep beating on about it, so it's probably told me we, we move on. But, you know, there's enough there. There's, there's players there that they can they can push
1: her and work with mm. well, I think this is the most critical time of all because there's been some development done and some work done the last few years so if your flag team was good like you said they need to transition if you've got a good group at Balmain which they don't get very often along with the Matamua and a handful of others they need to transition and their Harold Matts team was for the first time in a long time this year in West's red hot they had a good year last year they had a very good year this year that group needs to be nurtured through because they don't come around too often in those areas. And we talked about it before. When they get them, it's very important they handle them correctly. If they can transition this group of flag players, if there is talent there, and this few from the two ball teams and this Mats team coming through, in the next five to six years, they should see a decent transition. But I think the bigger key here, and it's all the talk about it, if they fire Mavs, then what? Who takes over? Like, you know, people are mentioning... Paul Green and Flanagan they've won comps it's like well Madge won a comp too um, you know a younger guy like a Seraldo, I think this is a death sentence for your first job um, a, anyone that, I just I, I think more importantly I don't think Madge is the problem we've said it before Sheens is coming in I'm sure he'll see eye to eye with a lot of what Madge does there's got Brett Camorley and I don't remember the other guy's name coming in for pathways and development I think all those moves are more important than anything that happens at NRL level. I think the more important thing at NRL level is they need to stop buying other people's rubbish. They've also got no more excuses because Packers retired and buyers moved on. They're caps free, but we're seeing the same problem we've seen before. No one wants to fucking go there. And the reason they don't want to go there is because of the exact situation we're talking about right now. Mishandling your juniors, not having any juniors, not investing in your youth, not investing in your club, not having any faith in your coaches, been constantly in turnover your board hanging you out to dry all the issues or the bigger issues are within the board and within the club not with the coach and I found it more disturbing again at the back end here to hear that Hardigan who's obviously come over from the Roosters is not seen eye to eye and that some of those moves again and reasons they missed out Madge pushed big on a lot of these guys or spoke to some of these guys that they apparently missed out on but they weren't action quick enough by the board, the club and the recruitment, which if you're the man in charge, like fucking hell, help me out. So they're my biggest things. What they do there is yesterday, the end, I don't know, but put any of those other guys in charge and tell me it's going to be any different. I just don't think it is. I think there's, as we've spoken about before, there's so many other forces there that work against you um, that need to be sorted out and, you know, Brooks was mentioned, for having, and every, I've said it forever. I'd love to see Brooks go elsewhere. I think it'd be the best thing that could happen for him. But now that Dewey's injured um, and they've got Hastings coming, I just don't think it'll end up happening. Uh, I think the whole him. Mean, Dewey was outstanding. Laurie, Stefano, like we said, Twile. Lucci's really good in attack. He's very poor defensively. What they're bringing with Gildart and Hastings, I don't think it makes a hell of a lot of difference. Um yeah. No,
0: I'm excited to see Gildart play Because I, I quite like him I think he's a good player
1: Well, I, I don't understand the Hastings move Like, to say that he's coming to play As like a ball playing a lock I'm not buying that for a second Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it either I don't buy it that's it's not. Buy, you're buying another post and buying Like, what's his best position? You know, he can play fullback He can play at halves So it's, yeah, I, I don't get it Yeah, so, there's no more excuses All the deals are gone They've rolled half that roster over um, again hard decisions to make what's left over on the market they've got like 1.6 million dollars free apparently uh, what they do with it I don't know but I can already see it right now I can see them bringing in Woods and a few guys of that nature and not a whole lot changing but I'm more interested to see what they do again as a club um, because if they move away from Madge, I yeah I don't know I, I'd like to think that when Sheens gets back there he'll be on his side and they need to really invest because these next few years it's going to hurt and we've said it before but I think it's more critical they transition these few groups that are coming through and be smarter with their recruitment like they were targeting players like a Yuto Kamano and a lorry to build something that is sustainable and successful long term. Yeah. There is no quick fix for the Tigers. There is none.
0: Zippo, my friend.
1: So, we'll move on from that one. Uh, what have I got here now? The Warriors is the next one I've got. Up until that performance on the weekend... Uh, I thought it had been an outstanding year, given the circumstances. Eight and 16, 13th in attack, 12th defensively, 33 players used, which is equal most. Another disturbed preseason, split between New Zealand and Queensland. Bubble for the second year in a row. Terrigal up to Queensland, another full transition. Uh, the injury toll was horrible. Their are two key recruits. Faneuil Blake, Aitken, gone within the first two rounds. Spine constant changes with the injury. Chanel Devito Harris had a long-term injury as well. Um, Egan missed a couple of games, but again, they don't have a lot of spark out of nine for me. I think they need more in that area. Sheck signing to go. They bring in Walsh, which is huge. What, what a great move that was. He gets to spend some time. Um, but yeah, I, I think for them all around, just all those factors, lots of injuries. It's It's been another hard year. I think there was a lot of upside. Blooding guys like Viliami Vallee, Edward Cozy, Rocco Berry looks a player. Walsh was a great grab. Um, you know, Aitken's transition at the back end of the back row and Fenua Blake when he's on the field. Toe Harris before he got injured was outstanding. So uh, why well, I think there's a lot of good. Um, I think your questions again are can they stay healthy and can they stay focused if they have to spend a third year in a bubble in Australia again like because it's, it's a real reality and I know there's a lot of stuff we don't know about but they're already talking about it now and Cameron George spoke about the last few weeks that there is a possibility that they're going to be here again <laughs> so um, this time I think they're looking at setting up at Redcliffe straight away which is where they've linked their junior pathways uh, yeah I think between that health and just recruitment like Johnson coming in with Davita Harris Walsh that, that, that to me is a good looking spine you put Lodge Fanil Blake Tohu in front of that get more out of Katoa see some development from him Afoa Curran who came on in leaps and bounds at the back end of the year I think they can have a hell of a forward pack um, you know Berry in the back line with Walsh Pompey I thought showed some growth if Olay plays more games etc I think there's a lot of good there there's a lot of good there and a lot of it internal uh, but yeah the big question marks I more have for them moving forward are all those other things is it going to be another disrupted year Disrupted pre season, can they get home and see their families at all? Um, that's a risk they took staying on board. That's a reason why Roger and Army and a couple of guys left earlier. There's there's too many questions. But I think overall, rightly or wrongly, some may disagree. Given the circumstances, I I think it was a successful year. Yeah, it was. So just in those close games they didn't couldn't quite No, nah, and there was lots of them unfortunately. Otherwise, not, mate, it was a fantastic year. The last game was a bit of a
0: black eye. More for some of the behaviour of some of the players, but you know that could be an excused and that'll be long forgotten when they, you know, hit the field for pre-season. Hopefully dealt with though, no. um, and then yeah, I, look, I think they're easily could easily play finals footy. They've got enough quality there to to do it. They just need to hopefully get some stability in, in around what they're doing in terms of location, families, etc., etc., and then just stay injury free. if they're they're injury free. Um, then they've just got to learn how to nail those those games. And look, they've got guys that have had another year of NRL experience. Um, yeah, so I only think
1: good things for the Warriors. Uh, yeah. And I hope for their fans and for them, if it is the case and they have to do it again, that if they, worst case, are stuck here again and it's that set up, that they do have at least a clean run of health because that certainly yeah, was true. not the case. They were cruel this year, like if Harris stays with Lodge, Fenua Blake, Aitken in the back row, they've got Penne coming from Melbourne who looks like he's starting to mature. Um, You know, a couple of those young guys, like we said, spark up. If Otacolo, that young hooker, has another big off season and can rotate a bit more with Egan, Johnson to stabilize things a little bit more for Walsh and Tavita Harris and let them, you know, just play a little bit more freely with less stress and bring a good kicking game and some control, Berry, etc. I see a lot of good things. But yeah, from this year, i Just trying to take any positive I can because, yeah, they've had it harder than anyone uh, in terms of that situation. But, yeah, a lot of guys stood up. A lot of positives around the injury. A lot of guys got blooded. A lot of positive moves made, and I guess I hope that this affect long-term again on pathways with them not being based in New Zealand. Um, Gus did get some time over there. Stacey Jones and I think one of the Ira brothers has stayed back home. They're they're working really hard internally on their pathways, so um, hopefully... They can keep producing, and also the link with Redcliffe, because like we said, before this hit, the SG ball team we played and then moving into that, comp, I thought was a significant step forward. That was going to be nothing but a positive, and that group was dominating. So to think what they potentially could have been producing come year three ahead now, um, they've done a good job getting a couple of them through. They end up losing a couple because of what happened. Um, I I hope it doesn't cruel them too bad long-term. Yeah, But... Uh, off the Warriors, the Dragons at 11th, 8 and 16, 11th in attack, 11th in defence, 32 used. Uh, didn't have great expectations, poor offseason, lots of guys coming off injury and uh, new coach recruitment. We saw the old uh, money ball, you got Maguire in on the cheap, Bird and McCulloch on the cheap because they had a pretty top every salary cap, and to be fair, uh, they had a pretty good start to the year. They surprised a few teams. They got some wins, in particular the Parramatta win, I think round three or four. Caught a lot of people off guard and heading into the Anzac Day Clash, I was like, this should be a really good game. They've showed themselves to be uh, you know, pretty resilient so far. And Unfortunately, that, that day they got a bit of a touch-up. Things kind of went off the rails for a few weeks. Then they are up and down like a fiddler's elbow. Uh, a couple of losses that weren't expected, a win or two in between and then obviously we know where the head came to uh, old barbecue gate was the second. yeah do you
0: think that yeah look I know it didn't help but look but during that transition period or adjustment period whatever you want to call it where teams are sort of trying to get used to the rules and
1: you know the crackdown obviously occurred as well and mate the style of footy they played just didn't change That's nah, horrible it's you know, like losing Ben Hunt and not having a lot of continuity and key positions, Corey Norman was, you
0: know, not what um, was needed. You know, he didn't, certainly didn't um, deliver on the money that he was on or what they would have expected when they signed him. They had injuries to McCulloch as well, which were, uh, you know, not ideal.
1: And they started the year um, without McKinnis as well. Yeah, like...
0: Uh, yeah. This is why last year. And I, I know, I know. I, I copped a little bit of shit for back at Paul McGregor. But man, I, I, I would have kept Paul McGregor in that job. Like, you know, I think he, he understands the club. He understands the culture. Like he was there for a long period of time. It was clear that the players like loved him. And realistically, they, they, they've gone backwards.
1: Well, I guess the bigger question here, these money ball moves, all right, I'll give a tick to Bird, okay, because the Broncos paid a stack. I thought Bird was pretty good this year. They've got him next year for cheap, all right, but you're still going to have to find money, so that one I'll give a tick. The Maguire move, um, for the Cowboys paying a wage for this year, yeah, I, I thought, I think he. you can definitely see he's passed his best, the rules have sort of moved away from him. McCulloch, I understood the move when you've lost McInnes, but I don't understand extending him for two more years, and now he has a critical injury. And for me, it's as plain as day. Like Even when he was playing, right, he does a solid job. He got the Queensland jersey basically by default with injuries. I'm not knocking the bloke, but it's not the way forward with the way the game's going. And the three obvious pillars of building this team are right in front of us, and we keep talking about it. But this, to me... It's just a no-brainer. Hunt's best football has been played at a rep level when he plays nine. He just looks free of stress. He can manipulate a rock. He can run, and he brings a kicking game out of dummy half, which he's proved, again, in origin level. He's kicked a couple of 40-20s. He's done some good kicks. I'm looking at Amone, Sullivan, Sloan, and what we saw the last few games, and I'm saying, Ben, you're our nine for the next two years. You're going to take pressure off them because the job you do at nine is going to keep The ruck accountable, you can bring kick pressure, you can bring manipulation and a bit of ball playing, you'll give good service. Sullivan needs to be in the team with Amone, they've played coming through, they've got a connection with Sloan. You've already seen enough in the last few weeks, just some of those set plays between those guys. Like If they do what I think they're going to do which is all these money ball moves to me are just killing your progress and probably going to cost you juniors and have Hunt stay in the halves, bring him by over and that muddies. The one and six situation, if they use him there and not as a bench utility, McCulloch at nine, you are just stopping forward progress. And I I don't know what for. Like, Mbai is not a long term solution. Um, you know, Benny Hunt, he's got the two years left, sure, but I, I think it's been well and truly proved he's not a $1.2 million halfback. And with those guys you've got there and the way he plays rep football at nine, I think it's a no brainer. Because the way the game's going, he's a better suited nine than McCulloch and they don't have McInnes anymore who again transitioned to 13 but the other thing that I don't get like yeah they move Vornay on um, but now like Tarek Sims I know for a fact he's not on giant amounts of money he's not asking for a, a huge extension I think he went to the club more seeing what their position was beyond next year and for now I think they've said uh, we don't want to talk until next year which is fair enough but to, then straight away jump on the front foot and say but if you find something we'll definitely let you go like, the moves to get rid of some of those older guys, and in particular, I know he probably wasn't as great at the Dragons. He had three cork games in New South Wales, which I totally get, but like, on principle and character and club man, like, this team was going to name Jack and captain. Right? And they prioritised the guy that didn't play football in two years and had that hanging over his head, and then re-signed him. I'm pretty sure for another four seasons, 700000 plus with an option in his favour, like, I'm confused. Well, you are going to sort of try and read, read between the lines a Like you're going off Jack, Jack DeBellin de from three Jack, years look, ago. Whatever, yeah, look, I, I, I understand uh, the view on Jack DeBellin in that, um, you know, people just
0: can't understand why he would be even looked at for the conversation because of the off-field stuff. And I, I get that. I think the club's just... Really drop the ball there in regards to you know who they are and you know what they want to be seen as in 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 respect to um, I guess their connection to their fans and the community. Um, you know whether whether Jack's a, a good leader and he may well be, he may be the best leader there in terms of around the group, but that doesn't necessarily mean he has to be captain. So you know I think. From that element, you're right. Like I, I really think they've just whiffed on that around public sentiment,
1: and it probably is a little bit disrespectful to have even mentioned his name to be captain. And it's not so much the court case and the time he spent out, but it's also, you know, he was there at barbecue gate. He was the one hiding under the bed. Well, like, this is more the point I'm from making from about that perspective. They, that. They've missed the ball, but the, the Sims one.
0: I, I tend to think, like he probably played his best footy this year at
1: Origin. Now I'm with you, but I'm more saying from a principle. That, whose of, fault is that? Of club is and that, character. Is that the club is that is that the way
0: that the style that you're playing, is that the players you're playing with. You know, does it does it mean that you know he doesn't have the same passion for the Dragons as what he does at New South Wales? It's a, it's a hard one, and then it's hard to know how much money he's asking
1: for you know if he's asking for a bump like to elite origin money then he's not delivering that at club level so I can understand him saying to him more we'll no, go and look elsewhere but the other side of that is like, who's going to replace him as well so I'm not even talking about that though. I'm just talking purely it's in terms of leadership what's good for the club someone who's been there you know delivers on that level like Someone yeah, you can't pay out of royalty No, I'm not talking about Paying it's out a lot. Damage. Well, that's my point though They just did that with DeBellum They've stuck Look well, at what they've done with Yeah, Norman and DeBellum The, the, and the, the, the DeBellum course. thing Is almost the principle Of we've waited this long But they also paid him Top dollar They've paid him off What he no, did I, I get it, mate. I, I get it But I'm looking at the Sims thing Going, well, at least with Tarek Like, it's Your forward leader Probably one of your better voices A veteran A local junior A rep player And he's on less money And it was more just feeling the situation out like if you're feeling the situation out I don't think you're expecting to get told back like we'll let you go right now if you can find a way out I don't think that's what he was expecting when he was gauging I don't know know what the ins and outs are there to sign someone who you don't even know how he was going to come back and forget what the court case since some are going to say oh he was found again I'm not even relating to that but just on That whole thing, like in how you deal with your recruitment, your attention and the moves you've made, you've just waited two years and now you've signed him until 2025 with an option in his favor and you've paid him, you know, $750,000, whatever thought you needed to do that. Like, I understand if you've stuck by someone for a couple of years, you want to transition him back in, but... Fucking hell, if you put a gun to my head and said that's the sort of money and that's the deal and someone else was willing to give that, I would happily say goodbye to him. And I think the back end of the year, I know it's rough because he hasn't played a lot of football, but he doesn't look like a $750,000 player to me and I certainly wouldn't want that contract until 2025. No, But then like Burgess, it might be a bargain buy again, but he's just had his fucking hip rebuilt. Yeah. Frank Molo, they paid 500000 and we're talking about value for money like... He played Origin this year again because of injuries and depth and he finished the year off playing off the bench and getting dropped for the Cowboys. Jaden Sewer wasn't getting a run for the Rabbitohs and he's been in and out. I think he's a good player on his day, but a lot of the moves are confusing me. Um, and the main thing at the end of the day is yeah, their youth. The business, the business is what are you going to do for me now and what are you going to do for me in the future? It's not, not a
0: business of what have you done for me in the past or what does your resume look like salary cap value for money is a projection to you know, what you can do for me right now, what are you doing for me now? And if it's a player coming in, what can you do for me in the future? Not about what they've done. Exactly. And I think a lot of NRL clubs
1: and you know, you link that back to the West Tigers, you know, they they just keep buying guys that have done they've done this and done that. But once they get to the West Tigers they don't do. And the Dragon's are in the same boat. And this is but Sue is still very young, but I don't think it's the premium environment for him and well, how much do they pay? like Molo they've paid big money and buyer, they've you know essentially paid half the deal yeah, well, Molo that's ridiculous they've paid big money for Molo that's, that's ridiculous they've paid half a million for James Molo they haven't paid they're big money for him business. but again I look at that one and go well the bloke's had his hit rebuilt and he hasn't played in the NRL for a couple of seasons and yeah, the game yeah I would think any, any more than 500 combined from Molo and Purchase is over well it's definitely over yeah well, um, and I like can buy they're going well you know They've paid part of the deal. We're only paying maybe 30,0, 40,0 and we get a hook, a half footback. But again, you're doing this at the value of what? Like, what's the long-term goal here? Like, I'm looking at those three kids in your spine, the Hunt situation, and going, that's what I'm building off right now for the next two years. Um, and around that, Lomax, Ravalawa, the Fagaya twins. Like, the other one was Ramsey. Like, I like Ramsey's effort, but they signed him off a preseason. When he actually got on the field this year, he was very hit and miss, but he's locked in for three seasons off basically what he did in the preseason. Yeah. Like, you know, that's not good business. Um, they definitely need a turnover in their forward pack. And, again, what they're bringing in, I hope it works out for them. But out of all those moves, the only one I sort of sit there and go, okay, is sewer if I've got the right price and I feel like I can get him playing his best football. George is a risk. Molo, they've definitely played overs. And the buy one if that obstructs one of those guys playing in the spine, I think it's just stupid. Yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah, a lot of people getting frustrated with Griffin, I think, and seeing these moves and what's going at the back end. And I already know because I've had a lot of mail. Sullivan, Jaden Sullivan, um, is being scoped out by six or seven clubs, as we speak, because of the fact he didn't get a run. And then he got used at Hooker. And a lot of the intention, a lot of people are starting to, sniff around now is that if he doesn't get that opportunity they'll be able to get him so they I'm not saying it's a home run but I think if you've won two SG ball competitions in the last two years and the core of that at 6, 7 and 1 are all good enough to play first grade and they're in your team right now I think you'd be pretty fucking smart to move forward with that yeah uh, yeah
0: 100%
1: but yeah back in the, the year like we said, things definitely went off the rail. Um, yeah, I think the wind sort of went out of the sails. There was a lot of, you know, probably tension, I guess, in between camps, like, and what happened there, and different players and different feeling. There was stuff around Lomax in the club as well, Alvara. Like, yeah, I just think the whole back end of the season was a bit of a shambles. I'm sure a lot of Dragons fans are uh, angry and disappointed with how things finished, and eager to see how this all pans out next year because I think a lot of people are interested in the moves that have been made. Yeah,
0: agreement.
1: So we'll leave that one behind. Uh, Canberra Raiders finished 10th, 10th in attack, ninth defensively, 31 players used, 3 from 3 to start the season. They were very sluggish, but it all started to unwind. I think it was around 4 or 5, the Panthers game. Challenge goes down with a neck injury. Then we have some close losses, you have the Papali saying that he's, you know, not really focused on football right now. He's got other things going on. You got Tepine's wife on the Instagram, the George Williams thing, which was in the background. Then the clubs essentially against some of the players. The players are speaking out against the club. Like it, it just escalated as the year went on, and you could see it in their football, on and off the field. Um, the Williams thing ends up panning out. And they get rid of him, and again, a lot of blokes spoke out against the club. Um, The back end of the year Even the Curtis Scott thing That happened a few weeks ago Whether you agree with it or not Like it's It's very unusual For so many players To be so vocal Against the club again So um, We've said it before And I'll say it again Did not see it coming Off the back of a year Where they had so many injuries And made a prelim thought With the forwards And the acceleration Of a lot of those guys And You know Everything coming together Hodgson coming back With Starling Jewel Nines Williams White and Like I just thought this is a massive opportunity for them and it's just gone completely sideways And um, if, if they haven't already started a review of what, who's good and who's bad for them moving forward I'd be very surprised Like there's a glaring hole there which is halfback they couldn't fill it once George went, I don't know if George was going to be the answer long term but they got close to a prelim or a final with him um, in best form I think it certainly would have helped but Hodgson, the rule transition sort of moved away from him they found a bit more balance with him and Starling uh, when they're on the field together and they pushed him out. They definitely don't have a long-term seven in Sam or Frawley, who are older veterans You can do a job. But, you know, all those things had a knock-on effect to Jack. They definitely missed Charn's outside back instability, like Croker with his injury. There's lots of positive with Smith Shields, Tomoko, Valame. Like, I know he had a barrier the other night, but he came off an injury. There's a lot of good to work with there. Um, But I I sort of think that window that we thought was open, I think it's closed now. And in the spine in particular, like, where do you go from here? Like, Starling? Yeah, definitely closed. They're looking at this group, you know, good SG ball, fleet sort of group come through. And then they're going to have to recruit. Mm. They're going to have to recruit, you know, a halfback.
0: You're right. They're probably in a little two or three-year reset now. Look, pre-season here, there's no way I saw this coming even if you said to me that their squad was going to be what it was you know and they stay healthy then I've got no doubt they make the eight they, they almost made the eight despite all the issues that they had it was everything off field that happened to the Raiders Yeah. you know the, the George, George, Burgess, uh, George Burgess George Burgess, George Weems situation
1: was horrendous the Topine situation was not great neither was the uh, Papali comments you know, even Hodgson at times was, you know, I don't think he was divisive, but he was certainly. that no, but they're speaking well, out. Made it
0: pretty clear that there was a split in the group, mm. and they just struggled their way through it. They, you know, led a lot of games that they should have won. So probably, despite all that, they probably did throw a couple of games down the road that they should have, could have won, that would have got them into the eight. Uh, but look, I'm not sure they would have learned as much or had a hard look at themselves. If they hadn't made the eight, maybe that would have just been a little bit of a, you know, well, we made the eight, so let's just go away and run it back again. I think now that they haven't made the top eight, they're going to look at themselves a lot harder. Um, The review will be pretty pointed, you know, and Ricky will be working pretty hard on trying to find a
1: a, a halfback for, for next year, whether that's internally or externally. Well, I think definitely if they can't find anything external and there was talk about Brooks and, you know, that situation's probably gone now. There's talk about widow I, I don't think there's a whole lot there they can do. If they can't get something external, the way that Hodgson plays when he's out at first receiver to me is a no brainer to try him there. I think you'll get more out of him with his last year than what you'll get out of Frawley or Williams. He's got a left foot kick. He doesn't look too bad. I think he can do that sort of job again. It's not a long-term answer, but in terms of what they've got there and if they can't get something in, I think that's the best way forward. Give him that role at first receiver. Keep it pretty simple. Take the pressure off Jack. Kick well. Starling at nine. Um, and then, yeah, I think you know there was some good good shoots in terms of Goulas progression this year. I think Hudson's second stint after the way he started, he was good. He's just got to get some niggle out of his game, like we said, Smith Shields and these guys, um, Xavier Savage there's, there's got to be a real consideration like, Chance brings a hell of a lot of energy and effort from the back, but he's still not really dynamic in terms of ball playing and being explosive, he's a worker Savage's appearances at the back end of the year much like when Rapana went back there just brought, just something different, so um, I think Chance might be someone that I'd look to transition to possibly a centre role, if they feel he could play there. Like, Croker's another one. They've got questions over with his injuries, but, yeah, with guys like Tomoko, Smith Shields, like, they've they've got lots of good youth in their back line. They've got good carries. They need to work on their defense. Like, Tomoko got pulled apart a few times the other night. Valame, I think there, with Chris, there's lots of good back line options, but Spine, in particular, 179. The only spot that's settled is Jack at six, but he needs... To have those things sorted inside him for him to do his best. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a runner. Yeah. And then. For- he's a runner. He needs the seven there that understands when he needs the ball, where he needs the ball. And,
0: you know, he can't be the one doing your kicking. He can't be the one doing when you're organising. He can't be the one handling the ball for the predominant amount of play, So
1: No. And then forwards, like. Whitehead did his job But Papali Was well underwhelming This they're year the Yeah, Papali looks well Underwhelming Tupine When he's on He's on But again The, the difference between His best and worst um, They're going to have A transition period Like Harvili I don't think he'll be re-signed. Louis played Origin last year Barely played this year Soliola You know They've got Williams And Frawley off They might keep one of them But I think there's going to be A decent transition You're going to see Like we said Your Ghoulers Trey Mooney didn't get a debut, but I think he'll be around the mark. Smith-Shields, Tomoko, Young, um, a lot of those guys will play some more football. And, yeah, I think I think he's got some tough decisions to make in particular, like I said, around Savage and Charns and Hodgson if he can't find a seven, if that Brooks thing's off the table. There's another young forward, back row coming, Clay Webb, who we know about. Um, you know, guys like Horsberg, who were supposed to step up, didn't have a great year. He didn't really take... Steps forward, James was looking to be a bargain boy, he started the year okay, you know, didn't quite appear out, so a lot of things I thought were gonna be yeah, positive. Throw other thumbs that didn't didn't work. Like Horsburn now to me, he's not looking up the first grade standard. Ryan James, you know, his best years are behind him, particularly with his knees, his body shape, the way the game's going. You're right about Hodgson, they've you know, Starling's a better nine than Hodgson. Uh, interesting again in terms of the way the game's going. If you can play watching it at seven, then you know, I guess that you can look at that. But you know, I think it's, it might be time for him to move on, um, try and move him, you know, whether it's back to England or on somewhere else because he's not a huge coin, yeah. I, uh, and he, he does, he just overplays his hand, and yeah, I think seven,
0: you know, yeah, they've got a lot of issues, a lot of, a lot of things that were cohesive and working and now not working, so. You know, once that happens, you need to adjust, you need to react. Yeah. The forwards have got, look again, probably a little bit too heavy for the way that the game's changed. And who knows what the fuck they're going to do with the rules over the off season? So, um...
1: Yeah. I just think there's a lot of guys... Losing
0: Baden right? was fucking massive. Like, to be able to just throw the ball on the edge and, you know, have him create something for you as well was was big for for camera like I understand why they're letting go
1: obviously. yeah well, that, that but, was turning yeah, cancerous in terms of we're
0: talking about 40 X's and I was like he was a huge loss the, yeah. his impact's been
1: understated I think I think it's also lingered afterwards though because he's still been chirping from the other side of the, of the fucking planet yeah but that's him so yeah, between yeah, that and sure that. a couple of guys that are there like that, that, that's probably pointing to why he was gone not on his ability Um, But, yeah, they've got a big off-season coming up. They need to address all those and make those decisions. If they can't find a seven, I'm telling Hodgson that, you know, those things you do, kicking, wanting to handle the ball, you can do those at seven. Uh, Williams and Frawley, not your long-term answer. Sterling's my nine. And then I'd consider if, uh, you know, chance is best off for me, maybe in the centres and I can get Savage at the back. And
0: go and throw off Taylor in minimum contract. Yeah have a crack at it because you know, like he's, he's certainly not worth that 1.2 million or whatever he was on. But he can play first grade. Like he's a, he's a competent first grader, but he needs a change of scenery, and he needs he needs someone like Ricky Stewart that's going to give well, him a kick up the arse.
1: I like the Brooks idea, but if the Tigers aren't coming to the party, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, know, I don't. If you get
0: you get Taylor for for.
1: Nothing but Whatever you want really It's up to yeah, Up to the like, Raiders
0: What do you What do you got to lose there I'd, Taylor's I'd and, You know Show
1: 150 200 at him And say come on mate Come on Let's see what you can do for us Taylor's the one Who needs to make that decision he, They were fishing around Like they were going to get offers But You know If he's going to play anywhere I, don't, I doubt Anyone would be really Coming to the party Nah If he's going to play anywhere It would be England But over here If he accepted like 200k um, you know, I think that's fucking well and truly... Yeah, it's well and truly enough for what he's delivered in the past three or four years and in particular he's stole a living off the Titans. Yeah. But um, yeah, for the Canberra Raiders, like I said, disappointing year around, expected big things, the only upside again like a lot of teams, transition some young guys in but some real key moves and a team to follow in the off-season because I don't think it's the end of the dramas and internally they'll be having a big look at... Um, who's good for business, who's bad for business, pushing a few more of those kids through and potentially moving on one or two more guys. But yeah, there'll definitely be a few older heads, uh, like we said, Harvili and um, Soliola, Louis that have been part of the furniture for a while there during that good period. I think there'll be a lot of guys moved on. Yeah. That last one we've got here to review, the Sharks, and out of all the teams we spoke about tonight, um, they all use 30-plus players. The Sharks actually use the least out of anyone who missed, they used 27 players. Um, But their season, I think, can be summed up pretty straightforward To, to get in the position, again, that they were, considering the bin fire that it started as, before a ball was even kicked about Morris and contracts, and then the board starts leaking things, and then they fire him three or four games in. You have an interim takeover for the whole year. You hire Fitzgibbon. You're, you know, recruiting and making moves on the run. There's some transition there in their squad as well where you've still got remnants of the Flanagan days with your Dugans and your Fafitas and that. And in all honesty, Morris was doing the right thing. He transitioned them to a lot of young guys and Henne carried that on and kept a lot of those guys sort of out of the mix. We barely saw Fafita. Dugan was scrubbed and not even taken into the bubble. Um, You know, and it's that youth again, like Katoa when he got back from his injury and the way he started the year, he was great, Will Kennedy was their best player by a mile he was outstanding um, the way he runs, moves and ball plays he he really, really took off, uh, you know there's still some guys I guess that maybe took a step backwards, like is not quite where I thought he would be after his first year in grade, Ramian there's, there's glimpses in attack but defensively he's poor and like Rudolph started the year strong but thought he flattened out at the back end. And, and Talakai obviously came off a big surgery, but he had a really good year last year. He didn't didn't really impress me. But, you know, I, I, if I'm Fitzgibbon, I'm, I'm looking at the positives. I'm looking at Braden Trindle and the way he came on. And between him, Tracy, and Kennedy, um, like I said, still a lot of young guys there, still a lot to work with. You know, Uel is back end once he was healthy and going again. Yeah, I, I think there's some positives to work with, but... Mm. I, like I wonder can you turn around their worst trait and it's his bread and butter his defence they're the most ineffective tackling team in the comp and the most missed tackles I would just think individually and as a whole they're the worst offensive team in the competition
0: yeah look I think Craig Fitzgibbon a be looking forward to taking over the reins like there's enough there to work with, but you know there's also enough up there and enough movement to, to mould the side into what he wants as well. Mm. Yeah, they're an interesting one. Um, the Sharkies. So, uh you, you never really felt as though
1: they they really threatened a, a top eight team. I think I think that maybe they beat did they beat Penrith during Origin? Maybe that was yeah. Maybe that was the only win they had against top eight teams. I don't know whether they beat. I think they probably beat the Titans. I don't know. Maybe once. Yeah, they they, they towered you up at the Port Macquarie game or whatever it was. I I don't think you're in the eight, then, were you? I I don't know.
0: I don't know. No, but what I'm saying is, the end of the year, how many top eight teams did they beat? So that's that's two. One was during Origin, and the Titans have fallen in. So, you know, they're probably finished about where they deserve to finish. And you know, if they finished eight, you go, okay, yeah, that's about right. But yeah, for all those teams, you know, you have Titans, Knights, Raiders, Sharks. Like, there's a lot of moving pieces, and you, you know where those gaps are in the roster, and you've got to do your best to fill them over the off-season if you haven't already with your recruitment. Mm. And the Sharks are probably the one you look at, and you go, you know
1: given's got a good reputation you know you'd expect that he's going to be able to recruit he's leaving the roosters where he's got a lot of relationships so it'll just be interesting to see where he can maneuver that roster and get them going northward on the table I think the spine is the one I'm looking at Kennedy was outstanding braley's steady um, you know he, he can be crafty at times they've paid Nico big money he's going to be the six but who's your seven like I think Moylan showed some actual good signs in those last few games but I really like what I've seen of Trindle so um, there's a bit of a battle there I guess it's probably worked out well for him he's kept Moylan on board next year for only a couple hundred grand so he'll bring out the best in him if he's healthy and competitive Trindle certainly showed why he's played uh, all those junior gongs on the way through Um, you know backline options I think they've got one of the most exciting back threes when they're on Muli, Talo, Katoa, Kennedy Um, if you can fix up Ramian's defence and tighten up that back line. Tracy showed that he can play a multitude of positions. McInnes, I think that's been lost in the injury. I thought he looked outstanding in the back end of last year in the new rules as a lock. Strong carry, great defender, showed that he can ball play a little bit and offload. I, I honestly think in the game again he, he his style of nine is irrelevant. So that move I like. Fanukin will probably be a mobile front rower, I guess the two big question marks again and moves and they're both off contract next year which is perfect for Fitzgibbon transitioning is for Feeder's deal there's no way he's going to be there there's going to be 850,000 more he can spend at Wade Graham's last year can, can they reignite like I think he looks like a man to me who's he's had some injuries he's had some head knocks but he's a guy that's won a comp played for Australia played Origin he's been playing since he's 18 and it'll be his 14th or 15th season He's now got a family. I, I don't know if he has that same killer instinct that he once did. I'm not saying that he's not a good footballer, but I think the best thing for Fitzgibbon at least is the two biggest contracts that are left over out of his control are both going to be off the table after next season. So um, lots of good young players here. A couple of options in terms of what he does with the spine. I think the McInnes thing, again, will prove to be underrated. But, yeah, can he spark up a few of those guys again? Like, Raymond's still only early 20s, Nakora, etc. cetera. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of green shoots there, but yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot more moves to be made. If he moves on from those two next year, he'll have another big chunk of change, potentially one and a half to 1.6 million to, to try and shape that roster. Yeah. But this year, I just think they made the best of a bad situation in particular, hannay And yeah, there, there was some green shoots in particular, Kennedy, Tracy, Trindle, et cetera, But, um, yeah, i will be very interested to see what happens next year with Fitzgibbon, Vanuken, Hines, McInnes, etc. I think again, strong coach, strong leader, and two strong leaders from two other clubs, Vanuken and McInnes.
0: Yeah, yeah, things look things look good uh, for um, for the Sharkies.
1: So there you go. That wraps up uh, our review of the bottom eight teams for this season. We'll. Do the others as we go in order of elimination. And uh, yeah, there you go. Big show, two and a half hours worth of watching. It's a big one, man. Yeah, man. So uh, we'll be back Wednesday and we will go through those top eight teams that are in the finals, look at their strengths and weaknesses, the four matchups, and uh, do some uh, previews and Have some bets. Thanks to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with any bookie, do it with the true blue bookie, bluebet.com.au. Download the app today. Um, But, yeah, for now, Boxhead, I'll speak to you on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to give a little shout-out as we end. um, Timmy McIntyre, who's a a long-term listener of the show and uh, a guy I work with at Mounties, had a... um, had a loss in the family recently. So sending love to you, Timmy and, um, Murray Cannellen, um, good mate from school. Unfortunately, last week lost his, um, lost his wife, um, to cancer. So, um, he's another, you know, I know he listens to the show and, you know, he's pretty active, um, on social media with all of the stuff we do. So, and he's a big supporter. So mate, uh, sending heaps of love to you, man. Um, terrible, terrible situation for, for you guys, but yeah, just wanted to let you know that we're, we're thinking of you and you know, it must be twice as hard having to go through that stuff in, you know, the current predicament in lockdown and you know, with all the restrictions and things that come with it but um, yeah, sending plenty of love to, to those two boys, so I just wanted to make a point of uh, giving them a shout out.
1: Yep, I echo those thoughts and deepest condolences both to Murray and uh, Tim in these difficult times and I guess we should have finished on a more positive, oh, not a more positive note, but a more sincere note as we've done every week. And again, for everybody out there, Um hope everyone is safe and, and doing well and pushing through. Like we said, and I say it every week, stay active, talk to your friends, family, uh, make sure you've got something to do or look forward to. And if you're looking for a chin wag or need something to keep you preoccupied, or you've got any questions, Twitter, Facebook, uh, everywhere, we're always available. We don't reply straight away because we're both still working, but uh, we'll always get back to you. So, um, yeah, finish on that one, I guess. Um, yeah, deepest condolences, Murray, Tim, and everybody out there. We well, hope you're doing well, and we'll be back on Wednesday to uh, keep talking some more footy heading into week one of the final series of the 2021 NRL Premiership.
0: Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?